Okay, this week we sat down with Brandon Cocart. Brandon Cocart is a professional snowboarder. He's also an extremely talented musician. And in his words, both of those things shared the same space in his brain. And we went down that wormhole, found it to be super interesting. The similarities, the parallels, the creative processes between snowboarding and music. And the best thing about this episode is towards the end, we do a deep dive into a conversation about mental health. Cocard opens up about some of his struggles, and it was just, it was really powerful. So make sure you make it to that part of the episode. That is at the very, very end. That's how we close things down. Now, before we get in the episode, I just want to take this time to say thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to anybody that has bought merch. Thank you to our Patreon members. Believe it or not, we are turning into a semi-legit brand because of your support. You know, just to give you guys an idea of the workload, each episode takes roughly about 20 hours to edit. Chinatown Paul, our editor, chops it all up. You know, we have four cameras with separate video files and audio, and you got to cut it all together. And it's a lot of work. Uh, we have Jules, our administrative assistant. She handles customer service. We have a customer service phone line if you don't get your package. Uh, we have an email you can reach us at and and so we're working hard to get better as a brand and your guys' support is huge for that and especially as the Patreon members you know we're able to make this thing a full-time thing for Paul for Jules you know we're, we have a six-person team including me and Buds so there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes and your guys' support is kind of makes it so we're able to focus our energy and effort on producing good shows each and every week and uh, for that I just want to say thank you a couple things about the patreon that I think are cool you know when you sign up you get to ask a question on the air you know you submit your questions we get, you'll hear bud say hey let's do a patreon question and we'll ask the guest that question depending on if we pick yours that week uh, you get a private video that is for patreon members only like an interview with the guest and then you get real-time updates in the booth so oftentimes we record about a month before the show airs so you know you'll know that day when we record with that guest you'll see that we did a foot race you'll see you kind of get a little insider trading info on what's going on with the podcast so if that stuff interests you you know head on over to bombhole.com you can find a link for our patreon but, you know, it's pretty funny. We're, we're uh, Bombhole is becoming a bit of a almost legit brand. So thank you guys so much for your support so we can keep being idiots in the garage. And I will plug in my stuff and we can get into the Brandon Cocart episode. It's a good one. Here we go. You are listening to the Bombhole. Bombhole Podcast. It's going to be very hot. It's going to be very uncomfortable for everybody. <laughs> Okay, here we go again. We are back in the booth for the bomb hole. And uh, it is going to be very hot. It is going to be very uncomfortable for everybody. It is 105 degrees in Salt Lake City today. And the podcast is also presented by Pub Beer and Liquid Death. Now, Stony Buds, how are we doing, my friend? So good, my dog. Always love hearing that. Now, to my left, we have Brandon Cocard, 
Cocard, what's happening? Yo, this is a treat, just like seeing you guys do this live. <laughs> yeah, you're in the mix. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. In the cut. Thank you for having me. I'm honored. Oh, yeah. Long-time listener, first-time uh, guest. Guest, I guess. Yep, I'm participating today. <laughs> now, I heard a rumor that you were in a, a Rubik's Cube club as a kid. Club? Straight to it, yeah. <clears throat> um, I helped start the Rubik's Cube club in high school. <laughs> Kind of a you fun. You started fight. it. Yeah. I gotta, I mean, that's an air horn worthy yeah. offense right there. Dude. I started a snowboard club in high school. You're out starting a uh, Rubik's Cube club. Yeah, we're a bunch of dorks for <laughs> sure. Are you nice with the cube? I can cube for sure. Well, I'll Cake tell you, cube. we uh, we picked up a cube for you. Oh shit! And we're gonna put you on the spot and see if you can hit the cube. Right I could never gate. solve one of these things. Okay, yeah. so for the people listening, he's spinning this thing around at all different types of directions. That's right. Some would say he's gleaming the cube right he's now. He's definitely gleaming some cube. Yeah, already kind of messed it up here. He's like, yeah. He's well, just <clears throat> you know, some people can do this in like four seconds. Four seconds. Like so fast. <clears throat> and, sorry. And like one-handed too. What? Like, and like so, there's like documentaries and shit about these kids. People multitasking while doing the Rubik's Cube? Yeah. So is it a calming Is it a calming experience for you to do the cube? <laughs> It kind of is, honestly. Kind of a therapeutic situation. Yeah, and I don't know where you got this cube, but it's pretty nice. It's a good cube. Is that a quality cube? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> the cube moves. <clears throat> it's like properly lubed. <laughs> you want a lube you cube. Gotta, you can't have a stiff cube. You want a high viscosity lubricant for your cube. Yeah. And you, you can, for the just the listeners, not viewers, you can kind of hear the... Quiet here. You can hear the cube move. <laughs> we fu- we actually like a golfer. Everybody's quiet here. Um, shit. Oh wow, he's he's at an impasse. He's at an impasse. I'll tell you, we yeah. took it. We tried to. It's fuck been it up a while. As, it's as, been a while. As much as humanly possible, so it'd be as difficult for you because I believe Brandon Rigo said that you are <clears> extremely <throat> nice with the cube. So yeah, I got a really nice one at. I home. see one side coming together. Yeah, so you kind of want to get the top going, and you, like you build it in layers. So like you first you like you do this like top layer. Oh, I got and you. And then you do the second layer, and then like the third one. So instead of going like side side side, you just like start at the top and work down. That's the technique. I never That's knew the that. Tech. So um, at your peak performance, how quick could you get these done? Honestly, like it's pretty good for me if I can do it under like two minutes, wow. which. And, like, cube standards is, like, garbage. Really? Really? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> How many people were on your uh, Gleaming the Cube Club? Uh, there's, like, three of us. <laughs> <laughs> Sick. Lot, heavy funding going yeah. on for the Rubik's Cube Club. <clears throat> you couldn't even get free cubes, probably. Yet. Oh, we didn't even make it into the yearbook. Oh, you really? didn't get the yearbook? Yeah, they excluded us. Wow. You know what? Shit. I think my snowboard club got excluded as well. Yeah. So, where did you grow up? I grew okay. up in Truckee, California. Okay, but you moved. You've lived a shitload of different places, right? There it is. Whoa. Eddie, let's give the man an air horn for the cube. And he took a lot of pauses in there as well. That's pretty yeah, fast. I don't know. Maybe that's like three minutes. Wow, give Chris, how long would that take you? Uh, I've never done one, so probably you know. I mean, there's a you never even tried. There's 30 hours of recording time on this yeah. card, so I think we need all 30 to get that. Thing <laughs> I want to say, and I've I've matched with them before, never solved one. I, I could walk one. you guys through it. It's super easy. We'll have to do a tutorial one day. Yeah, mm-hmm. we could. We don't want to lose our entire we audience. Lose our <laughs> yeah. audience if we go step by step. Spend the whole cube. time just teaching you guys how to do the cube. Yeah, your whole episode, just a special, <laughs> special edition. Right. So, so you grew up in Truckee, and I know you've lived a shitload of different places. And uh, what was your childhood like? Where'd you live? Um, Things like that. Well, I was born in like kind of Oakland, 
and my dad moved moved around a lot for work. Um, so yeah, we just all moved around, kind of bounced around. A um, couple different, like, random cities, like Northern California. And I lived in Vegas for, like, a stint. Um, but ended up in Truckee, which I felt, like, super lucky about. And, uh, yeah, just got really into snowboarding and was all about Truckee. Like, small town, mountain town. Loved it. Mm-hmm. Now, I know your dad uh, was a lineman. But now, was he... A lineman in the for a football league, or was he a, an electric yeah. anchor, like a linebacker? Yeah, he was a nose guard. <laughs> um, no, he he would like climb like power poles and and fix the lines like in the storms. He's a, he's a real badass. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when like big storms would roll through Tahoe, he'd just be working overtime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why you were moving around was because of his job. Yeah, yeah, just like. Yeah, just moving around for his work and stuff. And then got lucky, like, we ended up in Truckee, and he would commute every day because he was working, like, in the foothills. So he'd drive, like, two hours to work every day just so he could live in Truckee. Wow, imagine if you ended up in Vegas. How different life would be. I'd be so different, dude. (laughs) I hated Vegas. Like, I had no friends, and it was just weird. Yeah, did you, when you were moving around, was it hard to find friends and stuff as a kid I feel like that's tough when yeah for sure like I'd start to kind of figure it out and then we would just like move again so I was like kind of a loner for a while (laughs) (laughs) but yeah like I said got lucky living in Truckee so did that expedite when you found snowboarding the kind of draw towards you know snowboarding yeah totally I just like found like my click and all my good friends and yeah i was i was so stoked like so thankful to grow up in the mountains mm-hmm. one thing i want to touch on is you know you you have one of the most relaxed approaches i've ever seen right like you just your demeanor is very chill you wake up and there doesn't seem to be this inherent rush to get to the hill and you <laughs> and, and and you take somebody like that i admire that because i am I'm the opposite, as Bud's knows. Mm-hmm. Uh, Facts. I, I wake up early. I pace around my house. Uh, I'm just like, not. I'm probably not. But the one of the benefits I feel like is you're probably your use of energy is much more efficient. You're like well rested. You, it's like a instead of like wasting your energy being stressed out, you seem to just be chill, and it works for you. Uh, do you have anything to add to, to that, or what are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I get, everyone says that, like, oh, you're such a chill guy, and, yeah, I guess I am, like, on, like, surface level, but, like, inside, like, everybody's got their own, like, anxieties and shit, so maybe I'm just, like, better at hiding it (laughs) than other people, (laughs) but I do like to just go with the flow, just, like, wake up and, like, see where the day takes you, like, I'm not trying to, like, force anything or not trying to, like stress anybody out or like rush anybody i just like you know everyone should be on their own program and and my program just tends to be a little bit slower (laughs) (laughs) you just seem like the chillest chillest human you can hang with yeah or just like dude sometimes i'm just like boring and i just like to be boring like i like to like like, take pride in being boring yeah just like i don't know like i'm not a big talker and like you guys got your work cut out for you, <laughs> but um, yeah, <clears throat> just like I like to take it easy. 
<laughs> Would you consider yourself an observer? I know, like, take somebody like Lewif. He doesn't talk a lot, but he's observing a lot. Yeah. I'd like to say I'm an observer, for sure. But, like, Lewif's good with his words. Like, when Lewif talks, you're like, oh, like, Lou's talking. Like, he's probably going to say something, like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, sometimes, like, I'll just, like, start saying some random shit. And I'm just like, dude, shut up. Like, you like I don't know Like I'll just say so, like some stupid shit And I'm just like You know what Just keep your mouth shut <laughs> You make a conscious effort To, to yeah. quiet yourself down Yeah just be more of like a listener I guess It's funny cause you always worked with uh, With Justin from Absinthe And he's one of the more quiet people Dude. And I always envision the two of you On a phone call <laughs> Just no one talking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just five yeah, minutes just dead air. Like, dead air. We're both on like we're both on the line, just like blinking at each other. Yeah, waiting for someone else to speak first. Yeah, just like blink, blink. I always thought that was a technique from you guys, like to get someone like me or Chris to talk more. You know? Yeah. No, like, Justin's funny, dude. He's a hard dude to read. He, a lot of blinking. Yeah, a lot of blinking. He'll just blink at you, and you're like, I don't. Like, is this Morse code? So, yeah, the two of you trying to plan something out for the movie must be must be great. Yeah, for sure. But I'm just down for whatever, like, whatever he says. Like, let's go do this. Like, okay, I'm down. I'm in. Yeah. Snow's good. I'm down. Let's do it. He's a boss. Uh, I, I, I want to talk about your music at some point, but before we do, we have, uh, I think we should just jump into an early Name That Video part. Let's do it. Here we go. Okay, uh, we're just throwing you right into the burning fire right away. Let's do it, boys. <laughs> uh, we needed the confidence, zero through ten. I'm just going to come out swinging with a ten. I would Dude, love that. That's I our first one that. of those, I think. Respect. Maybe. Yeah. Okay, here we go. That's, that's Zima. That's my boy. That's Kale Zima. Kale Zima. I give him an air horn, but we don't have it on this soundboard. Yeah, you got you, you to call your shot. <laughs> Like if you're gonna call your call your shot, like fucking call your shot. Yeah. What what was the movie? Oh shit. Oh, that's DOA two. Mm-hmm. That's correct. You know what? He just won. He wins. Yes. You got yourself so a prize pack. Yo. Uh we, we're giving you a bomb hole cooler. Sick. Filled with bomb hole merch. We got mugs, shirts, stickers, uh, the whole nine hats. I know you're a coal guy, but uh we threw a couple bomb hole hats in there. I appreciate that. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to preface part two for the listener viewers of Name That Video Part. The song was made by Cocard himself. And, uh, yeah, I guess um, you want to talk about that? Yeah, Chris hit me up to do, like, a cover of, like, one of my favorite video part songs. And we got a studio here in Salt Lake, so it was just pretty easy to pop in there and do a quick little track for you guys. Okay, here we go. This is an iconic part. are good huh? so was that uh did you guys all record that together i asked my buddy finn he's like one of the sickest drummers in salt lake 
um, Finn Harris, Jonas's brother. Okay. Um, I was like, yo, dude, like, I got to do this track for the bomb hole. And, like, I'm not a good drummer. And that, I wanted to do that song and that, that drum beat's, like, pretty tough. But he came in and just, like, did it first try. Like, Damn. no problem. And then I just filled in the bass line and then that little, like, guitar melody. But that's, like, one of my favorite, like, melodies of all time. Yeah, it sounded awesome. Thank you. Yeah, he's, he's, uh... And it's one of my favorite parts of all time. Like, straight up. Back when 16 was bumping. Yeah. It's, uh, and so if you know, if you can know what video part that is, which I'm sure a lot of you do, uh, first person to comment on Cocard's picture on, um... Basically, when the podcast comes out on Instagram, gets a prize pack, and I think may throw some of your sponsor stuff. We'll throw some some bomb hole merch, some pub beer, and liquid death merch in there as well. So, uh, thank you guys for playing in that video. Part. Now you've you've had a long uh, snowboard career, and we'll we'll talk about that stuff. Like I have tons of topics in that. But one thing that I've seen you really excel at as of late is is your your music and uh, the direction you've taken with that and combining music that you've made and snowboarding and just a creative process. And one of the things you said in one of your projects was music and snowboarding share the same space in my brain. Now, I always loved... I thought that was very eloquently put, and I would love for you to elaborate on exactly what that means. Um, yeah, well, it just kind of started, like, when I was getting into snowboarding, I was just as much into the writing as I was, like, the soundtrack in the movie. And I would, like, obsess over videos and, like, obsess over the writing and obsess over the soundtracks. And it was just, like, every aspect of it I was just, like, in love with. And uh, it got to the point where I was, like, um, ripping off the audio from the DVDs and then just, like, burning CDs and, like, driving around in my car and, like, playing, like, the soundtrack. And, uh, yeah, it was just something I, I was into and got into playing music. And um, I was just, like, kind of stoked on all of it. And... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, and then what? How would you describe the process of making music, and how it compares to maybe the way you approach snowboarding and the fact that you make video parts and you and you kind of orchestrate a video part like a like an album or something like that? You know. Well, I will say that like when I was when I said that like they share the same part of my brain. Like I get really similar feelings from like snowboarding or like a clip high you know you guys talk about that a lot um and then but there's like like if you play a show to like a bunch of people like you play like a really good show to like a big crowd like you get a very similar like high you're just like dude that was so sick like hell yeah and it's like group effort too you know just like snowboarding or you're just like filmers photographers you're like yo thank you guys so much like I'm doing the same thing like to our drummer and like guitarists and stuff just like yo guys that was so sick mm -hmm. and uh yeah it's just like another form of adrenaline i guess mm -hmm. yeah one thing i found that in life as you get older i find myself chasing flow state right and it's like when you're riding a full top to bottom park run or something and you just everything's hitting and you just like channel this 
that you get into a flow. But I imagine I don't play music, but I imagine playing music on stage where everybody's clicking. It's got to be a, a dimension of that that's very similar. It's the exact same thing. Like you're just so in the moment, and you're like purely like reactionary. Like, cause you've practiced so much and you're just so used to, um, playing those songs and like hitting the notes and like playing the riffs and stuff that it all just kind of comes to you and you're not like thinking about it. You're just like 100% in the moment. Yeah. Any, anything, I mean, you can get that from a lot of things, but, um, for me, I get it from like snowboarding and playing music. What's rad is people get the endorphins listening to music too you know music creates that same feeling totally so you can deliver it to the listener and just get the whole crowd clicking too like you were saying yeah listening that or watching echo chamber your edit last year it was more like you're making a score almost so it's yeah kind of yeah i wonder do you think about the music as you're snowboarding like what you're going to put together or do you just put it all together afterwards um, sometimes, I mean, I've never really scored anything, like, all the videos that we've made have always been, like, we've done the soundtracks, like, after we film, or, um, we've had, like, songs laying around, where, like, oh, this song will be good here, um, but I think the vibes match up, because that's, like, we're snowboarding and playing music at the same time, and they're just, like, so cohesive, that it can, like, when you put it together, it can look like, oh, they made it for this video, but I think that's just, I don't know. It, I think it just matches up like naturally. Yeah. It got, it has a great vibe to it. That movie. Thank you. Kind of just to feel mm-hmm. good. Yeah. My roommate, Sam tour, he, he made that video and he just did such a good job. Like Dude. filmed a lot of cool B roll. Yeah, yeah. Definitely shouts to Sam. And all the writing and, and <clears throat> everything and the way it's visually put together. And yeah, we'll, we'll have the links in the show notes to that project. And, all your other projects for that matter. Now, one thing is fascinating. Another topic along these lines is like the, the creative process. I think we may have talked about it a little bit in Rav's episode and things like that, but I, I love, there's kind of a woo woo thing around, Oh, he's creative. And it's this thing like where it all just like naturally comes to you. But I, I think that that is kind of bullshit. Like it almost needs to be reframed in order to create, a musical album or a song or write lyrics or write music. It, it seems like, I guess what I'm asking is more like, do you have to be diligent about being creative and like using your time properly in that manner? I mean, when you put like time restrictions on it, for sure. Like when we did EP, it was just like one, two week trip. And we're like, okay, we got to like, write a bunch of songs and make sure we have like content for this video and film as much as we can. Um, and it definitely just kind of like motivates you. Like you just get in the groove where you like snowboard all day and then come home and like write music and record and just like try to make something sick. And then same with future mystic. Like it was kind of the same idea as EP, but it was like three trips instead of one. And, uh, but with Future Mystic, we're like, okay, we want to, like, make, like, a full album. So we do have to kind of kick it in high gear and, like, write as many songs. I think we ended up with, like, 15 songs in, like, three trips and then cut it down to, like, 10, 10 or 11. I can't remember what ended up on that album. But, yeah, sometimes you put, like, <clears throat> restrictions on yourself and it just, like, forces you to, like, 
be creative, like be as creative as you possibly can in a short amount of time. Yeah, nothing motivates like a deadline. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> look at look at fucking real snow parts. Like I always Straight thought, up. they they used to be December. Like I think they, I want to say they were like December thirtieth or I something. I think they were before the and, new year. And then and so you'd you'd see people film like an entire fucking the best video part they've ever filmed. Why? Because there's a goddamn deadline and some money yeah. involved. But <clears throat> that's that a dangerous like, deadline. Seriously, that's like seems like the most stressful thing ever. <clears throat> but yeah, going back, like when I the way I. Something I admire about you is that you seem like your life is pretty simplified in the fact that, like, you snowboard and you put a lot of energy towards that and you make music and you put a lot of energy towards that and your friends and your loved ones and things like that. But but it's like, it just seems like those two things occupy the majority of the space in your brain. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I'm definitely just, like, very snowboard focused, music focused, and then like friends and family focused. And uh, I think everybody's got their things, you know, but those those are just my things. Yeah, it's what makes me happy and it's like what gets me out of bed. Mm-hmm. Do you actually write music? Um, Like, dude, I'm not like classically trained. I just taught myself how to play guitar and like I learned how to play just from like learning how to play my favorite songs. Like, I learned how to read tablature, which is super easy. It's just, like, numbers and, like, numbers on lines. And it just, like, um, basically, like, just tells you where to put your fingers on the guitar. But, like, as far as writing, like, no, I don't know how to, like, like write actual notation or whatever. So you guys just jam, <clears throat> get shit you're feeling, and put it all together. and Yeah, you kind of just start with, like, like, a riff or, like... You know, sometimes Mike's like, yo, I got some chords, and we'll just, like, work off these chords. And uh, it's all feeling, really. And, like, <clears throat> like we all listen to music. Like, you can kind of hear what notes work and what notes, like, don't. Don't work. And so you're just kind of like, you just use your ears, and you're like, oh, this works, this doesn't. And you just kind of work through it. That's cool. I mean, you guys are, are good, because you have to be able to reproduce this when you go out and play it. So <clears throat> that's why I wondered if you actually wrote it down to notate it and right <clears throat> yeah it's kind of dude it's funny like when we did the future mystic album um it was like such a blur just like kind of crazy winter and we did it super fast and then when premiere season came around we're like sick we want to like tour the record and tour the movie that we made and like play these songs live for people and i came to salt lake this was before i was living here and we just spent like probably a week, week and a half in uh, uh, Andrew's basement, Andrew Aldridge. Give an air horn. Yeah, and we just like relearned how to play all the songs just by listening to them. To and yourselves. The, yeah, yeah, exactly. And just like, <laughs> oh yeah, this is how <laughs> it goes. <laughs> and then it kind of like it adapts too, <clears throat> because not everybody played on that record. Um, and so when we got like a band, like an actual band together people had their own, like, interpretation of the song, and we would just kind of, like, it was just, like, a group effort. And it all worked out. Yeah, and it came out really cool. Like, the live stuff was, like, um, sometimes, like, sicker than what was actually on the album. Like, we'd have, like, different kind of breakdowns and just make it, like, a little more intricate. And the more you'd play it, I imagine it would evolve. Totally. And all that. Yeah, I, I mean, those songs are still evolving, for sure. Yeah. I think about that with the rappers, because, like, you see, if you watch, like, a lot of the rappers in the booth, they go in and they just do bar by bar as it comes to their head. And you're like, dude, you 
you didn't write anything down. Like, how are you going to, but it makes sense. They probably listened to the song. Okay. Now I know. It. <laughs> yeah, now, yeah. You know? now I got it. Yeah. Yeah. You got a record of it. So you're like, yeah, they'll oh, put just it together to line it. by line basically. Yeah. So going back earlier, you were saying, um, you know, it's kind of like a feeling in the way that you make music and your, your approach to snowboarding, the way I've seen it in, in your more recent uh, projects you worked on. It's like, seems like you show up, maybe you go up to Grizzly Gulch. Maybe there's just, kind of a feature that that appears you don't go with some strict game plan or some like i mean i don't i'm assuming it seems like you just kind of go up and you find something and you get a clip and it all seems very natural and organic and i guess what i'm asking is does your approach to music complement the way that you approach snowboarding in some senses i think so yeah like they're pretty similar game plans as in like there's not really game plan <laughs> the plan is there is no plan yeah it's a great plan exactly <laughs> yeah like so many days last year like we just go up to grizzly with like and shouts to grizzly gulch because that place Let's that zone is so Grizz, sick Grizz and Airhorn. Yeah. yeah i mean just like not being salt lake local and then like moving to salt lake and having access to like grizzly gulch all of a sudden it was just like yo this is so sick um but yeah we just go out there and just like I don't know, look for shit. And usually it was like the first thing we'd see and just like, yeah, that'd be cool. Even though it's grisly, like it's probably been done a million times or whatever, but it's new to me, <laughs> you know? It's always fun up there. Yeah. And like the music thing's kind of the same because like a lot of the times, like I won't write a song, like before, I won't, I won't like write something beforehand. Like I'll just sit down and just like start recording. And kind of, like, sketch out ideas from there. Like, I'll just start with, like, a bass line or something and just record, like, the first thing I play. Like, literally, I pick up the guitar and just, like, the first thing I play, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then just, like, from there, and just, like, build on that. And then <clears throat> when you get, like, a couple layers of, like, sound, and you're like, okay, this is, like, starting to sound a little more full. And then you can just, like, figure out, like, melodies in there and then just kind of, like structure it as you go so yeah it's all it's all pretty loose for sure what, what i'm hearing i was listening to a podcast i don't remember where or what or, but it's in my brain somewhere somebody explaining a very similar creative process and what they're doing and you know what they're hammering on is that people sit around and wait for inspiration like it's going to come to them but what they're essentially saying is that action breeds inspiration like you and what you're saying is like you basically you sit down and you just start doing the thing and things come to you instead of waiting. Like, oh, I just, I'm not inspired to write a song. You're like, you just sit, it seems like you just sit down, fuck around and it starts working out. Yeah. It definitely takes work. Like you got to just do it. And like, I've written a lot of songs, like probably over like 1500 songs and like maybe five of those are like good songs. Wow. You know, it like it, you got to go through the process to like start to figure it out. And uh, weed through all the bad ideas to get to the good ideas. And it definitely just, like, takes work and takes time. Throwing a lot of shit at walls and seeing what's See, sticks. Seeing what's exactly. going to stick. <laughs> yeah. I want to throw out a quick Patreon question while we're talking about music. Yeah, let's do it. This is from uh, Jake Radmer. What band has influenced your music the most? Uh, thanks for the question, Jake. I think, like, I was into a lot of different types of music when I was a kid. But when I really started to, like, dial it in, I found, like, 
kind of the indie rock sound of the Northwest, which is like Modest Mouse and like Pavement and like Built Spill. They're from, Built Spill's from Idaho, but similar vibe. And I was like super drawn to just like that sound and that style of like songwriting. Great bands. Well, um, you know, talking about your uh, very relaxed, natural approach, I have something that's kind of the opposite of that. And this is okay. a clip that is your, uh, the 38 stair that's like a Woo! several hundred foot rail. We got um, that photo over here too. And, we'll we'll uh, plast that up. We'll hit, hit play. And uh, basically, you want to talk us through the process of this rail. Yeah. So that, that front lip was actually the second year that wow. I went to that. And now I'm just watching it. That angle's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I was just like, <laughs> it started as a joke. Because I was in Switzerland and I was there with like a crew of riders. And the snow went to shit. And we we were like jumping and stuff, and the, the conditions got. It was bad. a backcountry trip. Meaning. Yeah, got it. And um, and everybody bailed, and I was like, "Yo, I'm just gonna chill. Like, maybe we can find like some street shit." And so, like Vlad, David Vladica was like driving me around, and I was just like bothering him. I was like, "Yo, like, take me to a down rail." And he'd, like, take me to another spot and be like, I don't know, like, isn't there, like, a down rail? Like, I was just, like, thinking, like, down rail, get a bunch of clips, just, like, something easy, and just, like, try to get, like, as much shit as we could. You wanted, and, like, a 25-stair yeah, perfect yeah, down totally. bar, just, just like, dream. I don't know, something to just get a, cl a clip on. A clipper of 10. Or 10. And uh, so he, eventually he just got fed up, and he's like, all right, you want a fucking down rail? Like, I'll take you to a down rail. And so we pull up to that thing, and I was just like, yo, like, do you have to do the whole thing? Or, like, <laughs> right, right. can I jump off and get back on? Yeah, or can you just, like, pack, like, snow on, like, the stairs and, like, do the last, like, 25 feet? And he's like, no, you got to do the whole thing. And so I was like, all right, fuck it. And... At first, I didn't even think it was possible, but um, I, I did the 50-50 that first year in, like, 10 tries or something and was stoked. I was like, damn, that's sick. But 10 I, tries. That's crazy. That's sick. Well, yeah, it was, <laughs> but the next year was, like, three days of that just sounds more so like yeah, battling, he, <laughs> he had the bad expectation, oh, shit's going to be easy. <laughs> yeah, okay. 10 tries. 10 tries. <laughs> yeah. Got it done in like an the, hour. The front the first lip time. was a different story. I don't even remember the first two days. Full blackout. Just like full blackout and just like over 100 tries like per day and just a lot of hiking upstairs. Yeah, it's and a like lot of stair climbing. Trying not to get frustrated, you know. It's like mental battle for sure. Um, I went back for the front lip. I, like I was down to just like leave that rail alone. Just be like, yo, I'm good with the 50. Um, but it turned out like a local kid had 50 at it already. Before yours. Before me. And his his name is Fred Couder. And he's yeah, Fred and Airhorse. Shouts yeah, to that Fred. dude. He's a, he's a legend up there. Um, but I heard that and I was like, fuck, dude. Like, because I was kind of thinking like legacy shit. 
Because when I did it, I didn't think it was a big deal. Like, when I did the 50-50, I was like, eh, like, it's cool. Because I, I could only see, like, Shane's angle from the top. He did, like, fisheye from the top. And I was like, yeah, it's a cool shot, whatever. But then I saw Vlad's shot, like, at the premiere. And he was shooting 16, like, from the road. And that's the shot that's in, like, the teaser and shit. And, like, people were just, like, tripping on it. And I was like, okay, this this is cool. Like, people, like, are really into this clip. And uh, and then I realized that, oh, someone else had done that. And I was like, well, I got to I gotta go back. I got to try to, like, front lip it. And so I was with I was with Kale actually, and like Kale did not want to go to that spot. He's like, "Fuck that!" And I was like, "Dude, let's just go look at it." <laughs> like, he just knew classic. it was going to be an event, like take three days of time. And, yeah, I don't and know. Battle, a lot of drama. He knew more than I did. I thought. You like, thought ten tries? I thought fun. it was like, "Yo, let's just go grease this thing." <laughs> and uh, yeah, three days later, just still battling. But yeah, ended up with that. Front lip, I'm still not super happy with it because I'm like towards the end, I'm like tail slide, tail slide, tail slide. Like I was just thinking in my head, like, yo, just stay on this thing. Like I'm done. Like I do not want to hit this thing anymore. See, as a viewer, I don't even think that. Yeah, that's that's a make and yeah. it's a beauty. I just think this is insane. I didn't even notice that you had, there was any of that going on at the bottom. Yeah. And didn't you bring a celebration uh, thing? Yeah. Vlad brought the champagne. He got champagne. On the third day, he was like, today's the day. And it, like, was the day. It was, like, three days of, like, driving to that spot. And that spot's three hours away from where we were staying. So each way, three hours <laughs> yeah. for three days. And it was, yeah, it was I just I can see why Kale was, like, kind of, like. Yeah, Kale. He like, also got slaughtered on that thing. Slaughterhouse 9. He yeah. did, dude. dude. It was a full slaughterhouse Like, you're going so fast on that rail, like, when you jump on it. And he was doing front board. See, I would rather front board than front lip it. Yeah, I'm just like not a front board guy, so I was like front lip. But imagine if you pinged on the way up on that thing. It'd be a taco, taco like you read about. All how yeah. many stairs was that thing? It was like seventy or something. I look uh, at it every day in the studio. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's right there in my facing view. It. Yeah, so I'm yeah, always looking that, at it. It's got that nasty curve at the top of it too. It's just yeah. like not a very friendly. It's not just ramp. a down bar. Mm -hmm. But yeah, people like still hit me up about that. It's like, yo, it's like the second longest rail ever done, right? Yeah. And then Joe, like... Next to Joe. Right. Yeah, I'm going to, like, be honest. Like, like I was a little bit just like, God damn it. <laughs> when Joe when got Joe you. <laughs> <laughs> Yours is like, the longest in Europe. Right, yeah. <laughs> you really like, are in the back of your mind. Kinda I was like, 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 what's my legacy? It, like, I don't know. People are saying, like, it's this rail. So sick. Like, I, at least I have that. Mm -hmm. And then Joe, like, just, like, greases that crazy round. Yeah, yours has a okay. bend in it, and it's different. Mm -hmm. I like your honesty, though, it, saying that to us and our listeners. Yeah, I don't know. I got mad respect for Joe. Just, oh. That was just me being, like, jealous. Like, jealous guy. It was just like, fuck. He put in even more years, though, so it's funny that these rails I, bring on such I know a battle. A lot, I've actually gotten DMs from kids, like, when I've, I've posted, like, long rails and I'm stoked on somebody's part on my story or something, and they're like, like it's it's an interesting one because the person that rides park all the time that doesn't go do long handrails, like watches that clip and they're like, I can front lip the long down rail in the in the park, and and it's it's such a different beast when you pull up to a spot and it always is smaller on film and it's always there's always fucking poles and weird sketchy rocks and things that you don't see yeah. and it's always and like it's you know 
professional snowboarder Brandon Cocard, who's an absolute ripper. It takes three days to get to the end of these goddamn things sometimes, you know? Yeah, I mean, these rails are not meant to be snowboarded on. <laughs> you know, there's, like, something like that. And you go to Mammoth, there's that huge rail, and, like, you see ten guys do it in a row. Yeah. These aren't like that. Yeah. Well, Shane had the idea to, like, like fly people out there and, like, have a contest on that spot. <laughs> on that rail. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I don't know, like, that would be kind of crazy. Maybe not the best idea. <laughs> Three-hour commute each way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A lot of just very, very frustrated dudes. <laughs> yeah, just everyone's <laughs> no one, off. No one makes it <laughs> yeah. the whole contest. It's like, this is stupid. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you are in those battles. A lot of times with Joe, you'll be like, Joe, you got this. And he's just like, fuck. <laughs> like talking through his, like, I'm like, okay. Yeah, I was trying him. to keep it cool, but like day three, I was just like. Okay, this is a good question. When, you, when you're battling, what, uh. Because it is psychological warfare out there. Straight up. Uh, you know, anybody that's fucking hit a handrail and tried to front board a kink or whatever it is and it's taken hours, what are you saying to yourself in these moments of psychological warfare? Honestly, dude, I j usually just have, like, some song stuck in my head. Mm -hmm. Like, it, like the most random song, like, I'll just be, like, hiking and, like, all of a sudden, like, there's just, like, this song in my head. And, like, depending on the day, it can, like, help. Or it can just drive me crazy. Yeah. Where I'm just like. Because the same song's looping. Yeah. Or it's just like even just like one verse. What do we think? Like Creed or. Dude, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it, it can be. It could be so random. <laughs> it can just be just like. Looped. That yeah. would drive any man <laughs> insane. It can just be like Kylie Minogue all of a sudden. Yeah, I was going to wonder like, if it was something like that. You're, you're if you're in Europe, they're probably slapping that on the yeah, radio. Like, oh, you're hearing sure. some crazy pop on the... You know who's an awful song bomber? Bodie. He's yes. the king of song. He'll whistle song bomb you so hard. And then it's stuck in your head all Yeah, it's always true. Britney Spears whistle song bomb. Or a show tune. Fucking. Disney's greatest hits. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah, it's kind of whatever you're exposed to like during the day. Mm -hmm. And in Europe, you're going to be in a van hearing some wild stuff, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Three-hour drive on the way there. It's like some party tunes. Well, it's a good legacy. One thing I always try to say to myself when I'm battling those rails is, like, every time, even when you don't come close, you're like, this next one's it. Like, I, you got to, and this is corny, like, stay positive, but, like, you can't. You gotta stay positive. Yeah, yeah, you, you do. can't go down the black wormhole. Unless you're one of those guys that channels the hatred, but I don't think it works that good. No, yeah, you can tell yourself, like, yo, this is it. Like, yo, yo, boys, this is it. You're like, right here, I got this shit. And, like, but, like, deep down, you're like, I don't think this is it. <laughs> you <laughs> got to say that. Yeah. I always hear Chris be like, all right, right here. Right. Next right. try. And then Next there's, one. like, a voice in your head that's just like, no, nah, dude, like, you're struggling. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and that voice is going to make you not do it, huh? Right. But yeah. then sometimes, like, like I said, you got to call your shot and, like, you know. Go like 100% at whatever you're doing. So you're right. You got to call your shot and just be like, this is it right here. I got this shit. Let's go. And like when it works out, it's dope. And when it doesn't, you feel like an idiot. You're like, I just hyped up like my whole crew. And I, that was like my worst try or whatever. Yeah. But you just got to, yeah, you're right. You got to keep telling yourself. The, the, uh, the no matter what. That's a that's the one I say to myself. No matter what, no matter what, right here. I've said no matter what ninety times, but no matter what, right here. This right. is the one. No matter yeah. what. You know what's another one? Sometimes I like try to get all fucking Zen master on them and like visualize like the like the, like myself going off the end of the rail. You're like the feeling of going off the end of the rail. Totally. And that like 
It doesn't help you actually normally. You're supposed to look <laughs> through it, right? What I notice helps is to just like, because like when you're in the battle, you're just like, all you can think is like, get back up there, get strapped in, drop in. Like you just want to like go, go, go. Um, but I notice that like if you get up there, pause a little bit, take a little bit more time, like take some deep breaths and just like be there kind of, I don't know, like do some, like you said, some Zen shit, like stare at the trees, like watch the wind blow, just whatever it is, you know, to kind of just like relax a little bit and then just like very calmly, like, all right, drop. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, this is it. I'm going. A little bit of Zen. Right. You know, you know, it's an, uh, a, a, a thing that you're combating in those scenarios when you're, you're trying a long rail or a battle specifically on anything. Cause I, I tend I feel like there's a there's a graph of you start trying it, you warm up on your trick, then you're like, okay, I'm gonna do this, and you start getting closer and closer and closer, and then you almost get it, and then sometimes <laughs> you go back to square one, yes. and the graph dips back down, and you're on this nice trajectory of, oh my god, I almost got this. Clip. Oh fuck, now I'm back to square one. Like, and battling that psychologically, the graph, the the like dipping back down per se is <laughs> is that is tough sometimes that dip can happen like with like a bail like a mm-hmm. gnarly bail mm-hmm. or you get your bell rung or you're just like fuck that hurt and like it can go either way like that can motivate you like you can get pissed and just be like all right motherfucker like mm-hmm. this is it um but yeah it's i don't know it's tricky when you're fighting yourself <laughs> you're literally just like fighting with your own Mental brain warfare yeah. Did that photographer hang for three days with you on that he session? He did. Yeah. yeah, both sessions. Uh, the first dude that shot it was Silvano. Oh, sick. Yeah. He's Very talented. Let's so throw him sick, in, uh, dude. Yeah, big time. Air and also, horn. Vlad and uh, Hassanik goes for Let's those throw him a black well. and white right. air horn if we can. Yeah, and then that's... <laughs> oh, we can't throw those. <laughs> 16 millimeter air horn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. And the front, the front lip is uh, Matt George. Sick. You had some talent out there. Yeah. Okay, buds, I think it's that time. Let's uh, pay those bills. Time for that breakout moment. Yes. Uh, which is presented by Pub Beer. Their motto is cheap fun beer. And uh, if you want to crush some can and support the bomb hole, get yourself some pub beers. Easy drinking. You want to go camping? You're just hanging out with some friends? Yep. Crush some cans of pub beer. Take a 12-pack, turn it into a zero-pack pub beer. <laughs> you know what, what I'm saying? That's what kids are doing these days. Yes. Over 21 kids, anyway. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we, you know, we're not checking IDs, so uh, you know, have fun, be <laughs> responsible, okay? Uh, now, Brandon, would you say you have a moment on the come-up where there's like, oh, shit, this is, th- I could do this. This could be like breakout moment where you came on the scene. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I was thinking about this the other day. And, like, my first cabinet part was, like, definitely, like, okay, like, I can do it. But, like, leading up to that, um, I was, like, in the do tour circuit and trying to compete with, like, Torstein and, like, Andreas Vig and, like, Sean White and just, like, the heavy hitters, you know? And throughout my career, <clears throat> I only made one final. And that final was in my hometown, and it was at North Star. And Blue Montgomery was there to watch Dan Breezy's run. And I was there, and I was riding a Capita and, like, made the finals and, like, hometown kid and, like, had, like, big crowd, like, all my friends and stuff and my family. And uh, 
and Blue was there, and he's like, yo, who's this kid, like, riding this capital board? And he ends up, like, talking to my family and stuff. Like, I was, like, doing my practice runs and, like, looked over, and I was like, oh, Blue's talking to, like, my mom and dad. Like, this is good. Like, this is, like, working for me. And um, I ended up getting fifth that day, which I was, like, that was my best finish. That's funny. Like, you guys, like, have, like, Olympians, like, gold medalists and shit, and, like, I'm the guy that's bragging about getting fifth place in a do tour. That's respect, though. <laughs> yeah, that's respect <clears throat> against some heavy hitters. Yeah, but um, that was when, because, like, Breezy got fourth, I got fifth, and I was like, okay, like, that was a good showing. Blue saw it. Like, that was my best finish, and, like, fingers crossed. <laughs> kind of like, you know. And then that next year, I got invited to film for DOA. And so, yeah, I think that was the So moment, what, were you moment. kind of a rep rider at that point? Yeah. Yeah, awesome. I was a rep rider. Qu- Chris Wilmoth hooked me up. Shouts to Chris. We gotta give, we gotta give an air horn for Blue, too. We yeah. gotta get Blue, Blue on the Mom. show. Yeah. yeah. If he comes on, he'd be a good guest. Blue, he said he'd come on. He's a Patreon member as well. Awesome. So, yeah, I think that was it. Also, while we're talking Capita stuff, um, I know... A lot of people like hearing about setups, so mm-hmm. you should run us through Cliff Notes board binding angle forward lean anything in particular with your setup. Boards like for jibbing and stuff, I'll ride like the Ultrafear or the Horoscope. Like those are great jib boards, super fun. Whatever. Capitals, obviously. Yeah, and um, and for Pow, lately I've been riding the Mega Mercury, which is like a souped up version of the Mercury. And uh, I don't know, it's just, like, got more pop in it or something. Dude, I'm so bad at, like, construction details. Like, you could send me, like, a fucking, like, 2 by 4 or something, and I'd put bindings on it and be like, oh, yeah, this board's sick. Like, I don't, like I'm not, like, in <laughs> tune with, like, what my board's doing. But I, you notice it in certain boards where you, like, go to snap, and you just, like, have all the energy that you need in your tail. And, uh, yeah, the, like... The Black Snowboard of Death and the the Mega Mercury are my favorite capital boards for, like, jumping and just all around, like, POW riding or resort riding or anything like that. Um, and then with bindings, I just ride, like, the Union, like, Team. Um, I think they're Contacts. See, I don't even... That's, <laughs> see, so that's, that's even a binding. Do you sure. run forward lean on your ship? No, I don't run forward lean. Mm. Okay. Yeah, what, never what have. Edges? What about edges? Edges, like, just run them sharp. Okay. You don't detune a little bit? If I'm going to, like, film some park stuff, like, I'll put a file on it. Yeah. But I won't do anything crazy. Like, I like to have my edge. Um, but, yeah, no detune. How often for the do you most wax? Part. Dude, I'm so bad at waxing. <laughs> I'll, run the fa- <laughs> I'll run the factory wax till the wheels fall off, basically. Wow. Um, but yeah, I don't, don't know. So don't tune your board. Uh, <laughs> what about wax? <laughs> don't use stance width angles. Do you even know? Never measured my width. You're one of those guys. Yeah, okay. never. I just like eyeball it. It's a feeling. Yeah, and like you'll put your bindings on your board and put your feet in the bindings, and you're like, that's not it. If it feels wrong, <clears> it's wrong. Yeah, that's wrong. And then just like try to fix it. But I usually set my stance back. Like I'll have way more nose than tail, even if I'm riding park. What are the benefits of that? I don't know. The benefits I, are in the backcountry, right? Yeah, but, or, yeah, just for... Yeah, just, I don't know, maybe, like, I like to d- grab method, and, like, I'm kind of, like, I bounce back and forth between, like, in between the bindings, and then, like, the Euro style, like, above the binding, 
But I notice like if I'm feeling the Euro style and I have a little bit more nose, like it feels a little better. I don't know. So I'm not saying like I base my stance on like doing methods, but that's just like one thing that like, came to mind. And the kid's got a good method. We actually have some prints. That's a good point, bud. Of this guy doing a method over Chad's gap, which to me is an amazing Probably the scariest trick you do. Yeah. Besides maybe like a lawn dart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like that day I didn't have anything else in my head besides like method. I think the first... You ever think about fakey Ollie by any chance? <laughs> Oh, uh, I heard that being thrown out. I think that's like <laughs> Bodie's joke or something, dude. Like Bodie's claiming fakey Ollie over Chad's. Over Chad's gap? Yeah. Okay, just want to check. <laughs> but yeah, that just seemed right. As a classic jump, jump and needed like a classic trick. And Stone was down there. I was like, Stone's a sucker for a good method. I am. Was that a method of the month? Yeah, it was. I think I remember I, that. I think it was, yeah. I was honored by that. Like, yeah, it's good. It's hard to get them these days, so yeah. that was nice. Kids trying to come up, you want to like, just kind of make your stock go up a little bit per se learn a good method yeah okay you can that's that can be you can make a career off of that you really can if you have the best method out of a crew of people you're gonna shine that's true yeah if you can make that trick look good yeah you gotta have some good core strength for that one you know what i think it might be time for spinning wheel of death shit we got to. Uh, we actually made a. New oh, you jingle. cleaned the wheel. We need to do a jingle. I had Jules do the handwriting, so it's more. Oh yeah, it's before last time. Last episode, it was looking pretty. Squ- it was basically squirrely. chicken scratch. Welcome to the liquid death. Death, death, death. Spinning wheel of death. <laughs> it's Mikey LeBlanc, ladies and gentlemen. Damn, that's that proper. Laugh. You should get him on some vocals. Uh, so, yeah, the bomb hole is presented by Liquid Death. Uh, Buds and I murder these cans on a regular basis. There you go. We stay hydrated. Ah. Cocard's drinking one. Yep. Uh, you basically aren't contributing to the plastic that is uh, destroying our planet, and you're staying hydrated. So. It's mountain spring water, and what I like is how cold the metal stays in your fridge. I crush about uh, three of these on a daily. And if you're a person like myself that can't uh, crush beers anymore... Like I used to. Uh, these are a great alternative. So, uh, Coke Guard. Basically, you're going to want to give this thing a gigantic spin. And um, there's a couple different options. Uh, basically, we have Seinfeld trivia. and I, I'm down for that one. And then, um, oh, I should have got the sound bite. <laughs> and so, if you get it wrong, we have two options. Either you get a question wrong, you got to eat some bugs. What are they? What? We got some crickets. Yeah, crickets. crickets. We got flavored crickets. Are they live? No, they're dead. Okay. We're, this is actually, we're almost going Joe Rogan Fear Factor with this one. Yeah, this is like a fucked up version of like Wheel of Fortune. Yeah, exactly. And then the other option is you get shocked by the dog collar. So Wait, there's only like three options? You, yeah, we changed it. We're, it's Seinfeld trivia where if you get it wrong, you either A, you know, there's <laughs> no. We made every, <laughs> that's it. We got three. We rigged, we rigged the wheel. We have three flavors of crickets. We got sour cream and onion, oh. salt and vinegar, and bacon and cheese, so. But how about so if he gets them all right, we got to eat one, Ooh. or get shocked, depending on what he spins. Ouch! Okay, give this thing a spin. Okay. Because I want him to eat some bugs. I want him to eat some bugs too. <laughs> He's eating go. bugs. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather eat a bug, dude. I hate electricity. Like, okay, perfect. Fuck that. All right, so let me get these Seinfeld questions together. Uh, we eating crickets. I hope so. If I guess if. 
Should we do it where if if he if he doesn't get it, we gotta eat one. If he gets yeah. them all right, we gotta eat one for sure. It's whatever it takes, I guess. Wait, how I, many questions are there? Nine, I think. Should we do like each question? Like either I have to eat one or you guys have to eat one. Well, that's a lot of cricket eating. That th- let me look at those things. Um, they're good until two thousand twenty-three. <laughs> <laughs> how many preservatives do we got in these things? Oh, these things look fucked up. I don't want to eat one of these. Dude, those things look fucking nasty. I was at a spot, and some people ate them, and they seemed to like them. <laughs> it says the other green meat. Okay. And there's a rump, a flank, a drumstick, so, a breast. At the end, if you I, get I if you get them all right, we'll eat one. Okay. Yeah, we're not going to go every... And if you get it wrong, you got to eat it, eat one. Okay? Just one. Okay. And then, But if you like it, you can eat more. All right. I don't yeah. think I'm going to like it. Okay, so... You check them out. These questions aren't that hard. First question. Oh, God. Seinfeld is often described as a show about what? Nothing. Shit. What's the last... What's the first and last thing the group of friends discuss during the pilot and finale episodes? Shoelaces? That is incorrect! Yes, it's buttons. He's got to eat a fucking cricket. You can pick your flavor. Do you want to eat now or at the end? I'll eat at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh... So glad he got that wrong. Damn it. Wait, what is it? The correct buttons. answer is buttons. Uh, I knew it was something stupid. What's the name of the coffee shop where Jerry and his friends <laughs> spend a lot of their time? Monks. What's the soup Nazis catchphrase? No soup for you. What's so surprising about Kramer's license plate? The ass man? Yeah, it says yeah, it says the ass man and was meant for a proctologist. Right. That, that answer is correct. I'll give you that. Uh, which star get which guest star said they're real and they're spectacular when speaking on their own breasts. Do I have to like know her name? I mean, you got to know her name, yeah. Like the actress? I well, have I'd a say name, her name on the show, probably. Uh, Elaine? No, it's not Elaine. No, I mean, but that's probably her show name. Yeah, right? yeah. Not her, not her yeah, actress I mean, name. Uh, whatever name you got, I have a name here. I don't. Okay, I'm not um, familiar enough with the show. I think it's an actress name. Yeah, I don't know. Terry Hatcher. Oh, Terry Hatcher. Which? Who does she play? She plays like one of Jerry's girlfriends, uh, or George's, Jerry's, Jerry's. I remember who, that. Who is Silvio? Oh shit! Is that like their super? They're su- like they're, their landlord? Yes. Yes. Ooh, he's good. That's correct. Who died from licking envelopes? <laughs> Susan. Yeah, George's fiance. Yeah. Uh, what is the name of Elaine's boyfriend? whom she wants to change his name because it was the same name as a serial killer. <laughs> it's like Rifkin? Yes, that's correct. Joel Rifkin. And we don't caught, have... caught up on buttons, dude. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, that's a you tough one. You did so one. good. And, and uh, Jerry's girlfriend's uh, name. Yeah, I'm so glad we don't have to eat We got three cricket. flavors. Yeah. You only got to eat would, one. Right. If we, if we played it my way, we all you guys would have had to eat like eight crickets. Yeah, see, that's... That's yeah. a tough business right there. <laughs> I mean, who knows? You might like them. You might for have... the listeners, I'm going salt and vinegar. Kind of always vinegar. been a salt and vinegar guy. Oh, he's a big salt and vinegar guy. Okay. Noted. And, oh, these things are nasty. We might have to start making bomb hole crickets. Some crickets. This is really turning into Joe Rogan's Fear Factory. I actually caught these in my backyard, and I flavored you, them up. You made these buds. Yeah. That's not true. He bought, the them packaging. he bought them at his local sev. 
We might start doing all kinds of like we go full fear factor. We full start fear factor. We start having to put your hand in like a box full of spiders on the show and shit <laughs> See like if that. A scorpion bites uh, you or not? Got to lay down in a snake pit <laughs> mid episode. We'll build a liquid dead coffin. <laughs> you guys got to come up with some cash though, because they do that shit for like a oh. hundred grand. Or do whatever. you have a uh, chaser? Maybe. All right, this thing's like looking me in the eyes. <laughs> do you have a chaser? A drink for after? Yeah, I got like four drinks. Over Some here. liquid death to uh, about, wash your cricket down. He's got about three gallons of coffee pulsing through his veins at That's this point. That's true. I'm jacked. All right. Cricket time. Cricket down the hat. <laughs> the, it tastes like a potato chip. <laughs> it sounded like a chip, too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I don't know about the salt and vinegar flavor. <laughs> Maybe sour cream and onions a little better. I'm not sure. Wow, thanks, guys. Appreciate that. You had the funniest look on your face while you were eating it, and the crunch was great. Tastes like a potato chip. Or they, they're not that bad, huh? They're not good, not great. You know what I found with eating weird stuff, like when you're traveling, is you just got to not think about what you're what you're snacking on. You yeah. get caught up on it. And Key is to not think. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on from the crickets. So I think we should maybe pivot right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of pivot, Cocard, uh, since he's a viewer of the show, knows that we like to absolutely beat the brakes off the word pivot. He's washing down that cricket with a little coffee. Yeah, it's like hanging out in my teeth. Those little Jiminy Cricket legs. Did you see that? Is there a protein count on the back of that? Yeah, do they have the facts on those things? <laughs> like, is there yeah, they do. <laughs> do they really? Yeah. <laughs> How many grams of sugar? There's uh, point, point one, 4.3 calories. Oh, okay. 0. 0.67 grams of protein. So, yeah, you could eat quite a few of those if you're hard up on some protein. But the serving sizes per container... So to get that much protein, you got to eat all those motherfuckers. Damn. Oh, it's for the whole container. Yeah. It also says if you have a shellfish allergy, stay away. That's kind of funny with crickets. I didn't know they fell in that category. You guys are lucky. I'm a shell, shellfish <laughs> allergy, dude. <laughs> like anaphylactic shock over here. You know who has one of those? Luif. Luif, uh, we, we have to go EpiPen to the neck. to remember that when Luif comes down. Okay, so uh, we got a special little uh, snippet from uh, Cocard he sent over himself. Uh that is kind of a tribute to how much we like to beat the brakes off of Pivot. Here we go. Yes! Here we go. Pivot! 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 Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! There you go. Pivot! Pivot! That's you definitely some of our listeners are probably saying, thinking that. Shut up, shut up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got to put that in the soundboard. Oh, yeah. Pivot. <laughs> well, I think it's time to pivot. Let's piv. Yeah, it seems like with your with your career, um, you you were snowboarding, filming parts with Capita for a long time, and you know DOA 1, DOA 2, Absinthe, you filmed a bunch of amazing video parts. Um did a bunch of amazing tricks, all that stuff. And then, like, you, you kind of reinvented yourself when you started, started like, kind of 
incorporating your music and stuff. And let's go back down that rabbit hole completely. But like it, I thought it was really cool. Like, did you did you feel that shift in your writing? And it, did it did it gain more? Like, did you become more excited about your writing when you kind of had this shift where you started incorporating music with your writing and making music? And and kind of what role did that play in well, your career? Honestly, I kind of felt the shift more like in the industry. Because, like, that, around that time was, like, when everybody had, like, their own project or, like, their own, like, separate avenue. Like, it seemed like it wasn't just okay to be, like, be a pro snowboarder anymore and, like, go out and film video parts. It was, like, well, wh- what else can you do, kind of? Like, like this guy's, like, a pro snowboarder, but he, like, makes all this sick art. Or this guy's pro snowboarder, but, like, he's a sick skateboarder. And it was just kind of like this extracurricular things. Like, if you're gonna like come up with like a personal project, like what's your edge, you know? And the music thing was just like an easy one for me. I was just like, because I had done that with Respect Your Elders, like one of those first like Air Blaster movies that we made. And I, <clears throat> excuse me, I convinced Jesse to like Jesse Grankowski, um, instead of like paying for music rights to just get us, like, studio time. And I was like, yo, dude, just get us, like, rent us a studio and, like, we'll record the soundtrack. And uh, mostly just because I wanted to, like, be in a studio and just see what that was like and just, like, be able to, like, record songs that we wrote. Like, I thought that was super cool and it was something I always wanted to do. And Jesse was down. And I just kind of, like, I don't know. I mean, that was probably, like, five or six years later. I was like oh, yeah, like, we could do that again. And so I just reached out to Mike, and Mike was down, and Capita was down. Yeah, uh, that was kind of, like, our thing for, like, our personal project. It was like, yo, like, we're going to do, like, the music aspect of it, and that's what's going to make it interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of really notable things there as you talk, but definitely, uh, like you said earlier, you know, I, I always, I think Mikey LeBlanc in an episode put it like, you, you got to know who, who to cheer for and everybody's good at doing tricks. And when it comes to like snowboarding or skateboarding, you're kind of buying into a lifestyle of who, who you root for. And so there's a lot of skateboarders who I love their tricks or snowboarders. I love their tricks, but I'm not drawn to them off the board as much. And I, I think that, you know, in this day and age, like, you know, somebody being interested in somebody's personality or what they do off a board is, is important. Like you want to be interested in that person and, and that it is cool to like, you know, showcase that those things that make somebody interesting aside from their ability to do a back lip, you know? Yeah, totally. Like just for people to be able to identify with your snowboarding. And then like you said, like on a more personal level, you're like, Oh, this dude's like also into this shit. Like I'm into that too or whatever it is, you know? And yeah, it just makes it more interesting and um there there's like less of like a superhero aspect to it. You it know humanizes them. Yeah, for sure. Like strips it down mm-hmm. to where you're like, Oh, these guys are just like normal dudes. Mm-hmm. Like you felt like the industry demanded it of you too, huh? Little bit. Yeah. To stay or relevant. Just, it's just like what everybody was doing. And like not you know, there weren't like a lot of film projects anymore. And like instead of just like having like your run-of-the-mill, like, webisode or something, or just, like, yo, we're snowboarding, like, we're fucking sick. Like, wanted to just, like, I don't know, make something kind of different. 
and the whole music aspect of it, I think just, I don't know, gives it like a different flavor. And like It gives it a really cool vibe. Yeah, we were into it. Um, but yeah, I mean, when I was a kid and like looking up to like Kevin Jones and like Peter Lyon, like those guys were superheroes, like literal, literal like superheroes. And it wasn't until like Robot Food came out and like some of those movies where I was like, oh, like these guys are actually like human, <laughs> you know, they're just like goofy dudes, like grown ass kids, just like playing around in the mountains and just having a good time. And that like switched it over for me. I was like, okay, that's like snowboarding for me now. Like I identify with that. And uh, yeah, I guess we were just kind of like no, trying to get on that vibe. Yeah. No, that's, I love that. And, and going back to kind of that shift of like, you know, video part, video part, video part into, you know, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to get creative on my own project more. So, um, <clears throat> you know, what I, what I've seen in a lot of the people that I look up to and admire in snowboarding, the men and women that have had a lot of longevity in their career is there's an ability to keep reinventing themselves, to keep doing something new and fresh and not become stagnant and keep, keep keeping people guessing and, and you know you know oh this guy's a street guy but he he got better at this aspect of snowboarding or he changed his project or he changed this shit up and and I, I that's like such a huge thing for people to to realize in their careers is like don't be afraid to fucking switch up your whole sh- program and re- like you know crinkle up the script and, and make a new one you know yeah totally I was definitely at that point because I had done like I don't know maybe five or six absinthe parts. It might might be five, but I I was just like, damn, like I'm getting kind of late in my career, like, like I was so thankful to Absinthe for like everything I learned from those guys and just like riding and filming with all those dudes was just like legendary for me. I was just like, wow, to be a part of that. Um, but they're definitely like it came that time came to like, yo, you gotta like do something new and like take a chance and like take a risk and. Luckily, like, Capita was backing me on that, and so was, like, Mike, and just, like, that crew was just down to, like, try something, and, yeah, EP kind of happened, and people were stoked on it, and we're like, yo, maybe we got something here, mm-hmm. and just kind of kept it rolling. Now, right, bef- right before this time period, I do remember one thing <clears throat> as a friend of yours and, and just being around the mix is that you were riding for Air Blaster for a, ro- a long time. And you seemed like you were part of the foundation of what the whole brand was built on. And it seemed like out of nowhere, they swiped the rug out from under you and just dropped you. And I remember at that time, I was just like, I was fucking pissed. I was like, this is fucking whack, dude. Like, these guys who are all about family and fun and friends, like, and and I'm sure there's two sides to every story, but I, you know, and I know you took that. That was a difficult time for you as well, but... um. Yeah, I always thought that that was was kind of a whack move on their part. Yeah, Air Blaster was, like, my identity for a while. It was, like, a part of who I was. Like, when I was trying to make it in snowboarding and stuff, that was, like, my dream sponsor. It was, like, Air Blaster and Capita were just, like, top of the list. And when I got on with Air Blaster, I was just tripping. I was, like, yo, like, Travis Parker's, like, my fucking hero. Like, Travis is king. And, like, now I'm riding for his company, and I got to meet, like, Jesse and just, like, everybody. And it just, like, felt like family and just, like, super tight-knit 
crew. And, dude, those trips were, like, all-time. Like, those film trips, like, we had so much fun. And there's just, like, so many good memories and experiences, like, that I had. So, yeah, when that happened, like, literally, like, dude, Jesse called me and was like, yo, dude, like, it's over. Like, you're, like, the ride's over, kind of. And I thought he was kidding, (laughs) like, Cause I just had like a good season and like I was able to negotiate like, you know, some good contracts with them and I thought they were stoked and maybe I just like got too cocky, honestly, to where like I wasn't doing enough for them, but yeah, it just seemed like I got that call and I was just like, damn dude, like what the fuck? I thought it was kind of over, like the whole thing was over. Like, I called Capita, and I was like, yo, is it over? <laughs> like, Whoa. straight up. Like, I was tripping, dude. And they're like, no, we got your back. Like, it's all good. And, um, yeah, it kind of hurt, dude. It felt like a, it felt like a breakup. Kind of, like, full-on just, Were you like, deep? Breakup. Were you, like, sporting leg bags? And I was just, like... He was deep, dude. He was, I was deep. Like, I remember you wearing... Eat, breathe, air yeah. blaster. Like, dude, I do, like, Capita signings and stuff, and I would, like sign my name and like i'd always draw like an air pill wow like it was just like part of my identity Identity, yeah Yeah, when it was over it was tough but dude like honestly like i think i romanticized it a little bit like i was like yo this is family like you know those guys are like still my really close friends but at the time i was just like yo i'm good but like for them I think, like, the numbers just didn't match up, you know? And it's all business. Like, that shit, they're just, like, looking at numbers and, like, yo, we're not getting enough from him compared to, like, what we're giving him, I guess. Yeah, the return on the, yeah. what they're putting and out. Yeah, and from a business standpoint, like, that makes a lot of sense. So it was just, like, but it was hard to understand at the time because, like I said, like, I had romant- romanticized it or whatever, like... Yo, like Air Blaster is like my family and and like that, but it's not like that. Your you family know, it's until the numbers not. don't work out. Yeah, yeah, and and I kind of like took that as like a learning experience. I was like, yo, like, like don't get it twisted. Like I got it twisted. Like get what you can get, and like work hard, and don't take shit for granted because like it can all just like fall away. You got to remember with these brands, there's always a cal- dude with a calculator in a room. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, and and also the the way we learn as humans is from our failures. Like that's what that's why it sucks when, you know, the the thing that holds a lot of people back is the fear of failure, feel of fear of failing. But the only time you learn anything, like you don't learn shit from when you fucking win. You don't learn shit from when you succeed. You learn shit from when you fall on your face. And so going back to what you just said about. You know, like the things as I'm hearing you talk, I'm thinking to myself, well, like you found yourself, you found your lane and Air Blaster was your identity. And so you were able to kind of on your own, you had to get broken down, get your ego broken down because that's a huge, I've been dropped by companies. It's a huge ego jab, right? It's like, yeah, it fully breaks down your whole like self-worth because your self-worth is attached to your, your brands and things. And you have to like kind of fucking struggle with your own identity for a little while. And then you kind of come out. It's the same thing. If you get fired from your job or you can apply this, you know, it doesn't have to be just snowboard applications, but when you get, you know, you get 
dropped, broken up by your girlfriend or, you know, dropped by a company or fired or whatever. And then your ego gets broken down. You have to take a look in the mirror, take some accountability. And the fact that you're able to, the way you frame that, there's so many different ways you can frame it. Oh, fuck that. I was just a number on a sheet, but you're like, I needed to go through that. And and that's where we learn the most and, and look at where it, it, it led you. You know, it's like those, the worst things that happen to you tend to be the best things that happen to you. I yeah. found it in life. Yeah. Well, yeah. 100%. <clears throat> and like Jesse, he was like, Oh dude, like you're killing it. Like you'll find somebody basically but like five years later i like still don't (laughs) this was five years ago yeah but you did recreate yourself and yeah yeah totally and here you are today definitely like lit a fire under my ass Mm -hmm. i was just like yo like i gotta work hard like this shit's fragile Mm -hmm. like i gotta keep my head down and just like go and that's such a good that's a good little wake up to have because if you're in the realm of never getting dropped by sponsors always getting the checks that show up for 10 years you forget the shit comes to an end. There is an expiration date on these contracts. <laughs> yeah, dude. That shit is fuck it. So if you're not like, and if you're not reinventing yourself, which thus keeps it exciting and you're just, you're clinging on for a check, you're not doing it for the love and all those fucking things start hitting the floor. Yeah. Like, and it's just a matter of time. Yeah. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. And just realizing like, dude, at the end of the day, it's all business. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, how did absinthe take you making your departure from them? After five year stint, absinthe. Yeah, were they chill? <clears throat> yeah, one, yeah, because Capita was flipping the bill for that. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so that's the other thing. And like, they were used to you doing the Capita movies, anyways, uh, here and there. Yeah, I mean there was only two, so I was like mostly absinthe, like my whole career. And so they were okay when when you decided to branch off and do your own projects, and I think so. Yeah, Justin and I are like pretty close, and like <clears throat> I was still going on the tours with them because I was like doing the Easy Giant stuff. And, like, yeah, we're all just, like, um, I was just helping out where I could. That's cool. Yeah. And Easy Giant was a huge part of their Euro tours, huh? Hell yeah, dude. Like, that shit went off. Yeah, it seemed like it. Okay, we have a perfect guest question along the lines of exactly what we're talking about uh, via the Absinthe tour and Absinthe in general. And this comes from uh, none other than Mark Dangler, who we'll just hit with a quick... Uh, I asked Capita, I was like, are you guys going to sponsor the show? He's like, I'm a Patreon member. I said, okay, all right. You know what? I appreciate that. So we appreciate appreciate the Patreon members out there. Also, uh, Mark Dangler, big Buffalo Bills fan. Does he dangle? Uh, I don't think he's a hockey guy, but imagine if you're Canadian and you're a hockey player, your last name was Dangler. Dude, he would be, it would be a whole marketing thing out there. He's got a, he's got a daughter, uh, I would push for her to be a hockey player and just get really good at stick handling. Is there a women's pro hockey league? I know there's some type of league. I'm not super. Let's push for that. Okay. And uh, this is a question from Dangler. Hey, Bombhole. Mark Dangler here with a question for Brandon. Brandon, I'm curious about the absinthe tour that you did playing with Easy Giant. Uh, It just seemed like a really cool experience that you guys went over there and played uh, all the shows and did the full tour providing, you know, live music every night after the movie played. And so I'm wondering what you had as a highlight from that experience. Uh, did you have a favorite venue, a favorite city, a favorite crowd or a favorite show? And just kind of the overall experience of doing the absinthe tour from a music perspective. So look forward to hearing it and have a great show. Take care, guys. Shouts to Mark. He's like the best team manager I've ever had. He's That's, he's all time, dude. I'm, I'm sure, sure he's, he's gonna, gonna be. He's got a contract coming up or what? That's yeah, 
That kid's got a contract two years. No matter what, fact, I do. Best TM ever, man. God, I, he is the. You know, I like his new haircut he got. He's just he's looking. He's so good. handsome. He's a too. Solid guy. Boy, can that guy dangle? He's funny. He's a good dangler as well. Like I had been playing shows at premieres, pretty much like my whole snowboard career. I would just use it as an opportunity, like to play music for people. Because, like, a bunch of people are going to come see the snowboard video, like, the whole snowboard community, whatever. Um, but if you're a band and you're starting out and no one knows who the fuck you are, no one's going to come see your band. So it's like, yo, let's just, like, piggyback these, like, premieres and play music for unsuspecting people. But, like, it's kind of like a wedding singer moment where you're like well i have the microphone and you have to listen to every goddamn <laughs> word i have to say that's <laughs> smart like, <laughs> that's a smart move <laughs> so it started from like that kind of idea and then it of course just evolved to like yo what if we could get the band to europe and do the premiere tour over there and i hit up vlad and he was down he was like yeah dude you just have to like fly over here like everyone else just like pay for their air for airfare and then once you're here, like we'll we'll pay you, we'll pay the band, and we can backline like everything, and just make it easy for you guys. <clears throat> I think the listeners need to realize too that these tours in Europe are big, wild. Deal. Yeah, they're not just like uh, no, like the, the Absinthe tours have been going on as long as Absinthe has been making movies, and it's like an annual event for the people of those cities. Like people look forward to it like all year because it just goes off. It's a heavy turnout, right? Yeah, it's just like. A crazy party and like all like your heroes are there basically like the euro side of absinthe and yeah it's just wild but anyways we we were able to like figure it out like i ended up riding for a local clothing sponsor i was like yo i'll ride for you guys if you fly my band to europe the whole band <laughs> yeah. not even just you yeah <laughs> and it, it was like five g's or something and which is like kind of like, you know, standard contract. But I was like, yo, I'll, let's like make it two years and like I'll, re I'll rep like your clothing and stuff. And and as far as the tour goes, like we'll put like a logo on the bus and stuff. And like you, I'll make you a video and like ride up. Sold the shit out of it. I was like, and they, they were just like down. They're like, all right, sick. So we got the whole band to Europe. And um, it just like proceeded to just be like mayhem, like absolute craziness dude i called it like the rockstar simulator because <laughs> like you're in europe you're traveling to all these different cities like via bus like you had legit your own bus, tour for the bus no we were on the same bus like with all the riders and sick. stuff and uh <clears throat> and yeah if you just like kind of close your eyes and just like pretend like all the people are like there to see your band and shit it was like straight up like rockstar simulator but we played some shows that were like over a thousand people, and like I don't I don't know if anyone was really feeling us or whatever. But um, we got invited back the next year. The next year, Absent paid for the tickets. I think if you got invited back, people were feeling. I th yeah, Easy I think we Giant. did. Easy Giant's a it's a very yeah. legitimate band because you hear it's everybody not just like talking about it too. Right, My it's like here. Garage Band. It's like a very legit band. Yeah, if you look them up on Spotify, I mean they got like over two million plays on some songs, which is like legit. That's huge. Dude, I was watching, like, the NBA the other day, and it was, like, after one of the Lakers games, 
there was like a Chipotle commercial with an Easy Giant song. Really? In it. Mm-hmm. I was like, yo, Chris is killing it. Like, thinking in my head, like, when's the next world tour? Like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is going to be sick. Um, but yeah, that was a great experience and just like so thankful to have had that happen. It was always like a dream come true to like be on a tour like that and get to play music every night in a different city and like going all to these like different cities. Um, cool European cities. Yeah, though. I think I kind of forget already, but one of his questions was like, what city was your favorite? <clears throat> and I really liked Budapest. Like that one went off every year. Like that was one of the best stops. Just like the people that would host it just like knew what we wanted and knew we wanted to party and just made it fun. And the clubs there are really sick too. I have a question for you. Who's your favorite person to party with on those tours? John Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, he's the professional partier. (laughs) He's the Pied Piper of like partying. The Pied Piper of party. Straight up. He's got the flute and he's dancing around and we're just like a bunch of rats just like falling. (laughs) Wherever he's going, whatever he's doing. Let's go. Yeah, he's a good facilitator. How do you uh, keep up with all that partying on a tour like that? It's got to be crazy. It's every night, right? Yeah, it's every night. You kind of just like, it's too much. Adapt or die, basically. Yeah. Like some of those times I would get back from like the absent Euro tours and just like, yo, like what's wrong with me? Like (laughs) I feel so sick and I'm just like weak and like, do I need to go to like rehab or something? Like straight up like. Same feelings. Dude, just like you get back and you're just like, oh, my liver. What is it, like a month? Uh, yeah, it's about a month. Of just every other day, every yeah, day? Yeah, it's like 30 days straight. We usually do like 15 to 20 in Europe and then like another 15 in the U.S. And the bus driver drives while you sleep, right? Yeah. Yeah, you got to be careful not to miss the bus. Or That's like rule number one. You're done, huh? You get if you're not on the bus, like nobody's waiting for you. And so it's just like, you can be like so partied out, just like whatever, getting free drinks and people yelling in your face all night, but you got to keep like an eye on the clock. Like what time is it usually leaving? Usually around like 2.30 or 3. Oh, so you could be having the night of your life and who knows where yeah. the night's taking it you. Dep- you got to pay attention though because it depends on the drive because you got to be in the next city the next day. And if it's like six hour, seven hour drive, you're like, you're leaving that night. But sometimes the bus would just like stay overnight. And you're just okay. like, then it's like, fuck, like, where is the bus? <laughs> like, I know it's here. Just got to find it. Yeah. Well, the, the, the funny thing about that situation is like, before you go to a tour like that, you're like, I am so fired up for this tour. This is going to be the <laughs> best tour of my life, right? Fast forward like 10 days in and you're like, okay, I've gotten blacked out <laughs> drunk for 10 days in a row. And I haven't gotten any exercise, and I've woken up and done signings, and I'm pretty sure that the only way my body functions properly is if I pour more booze into it, and I think I'm withering away, and uh, I am depressed, but if I drink, it goes away temporarily. And then you're happy. And then you're happy. <laughs> and it's like, you know, if you're partying the way those things are set up, like the, the tour is set up, like, it is fucking, you're, you're just, I don't think a human body's meant for that. Yeah. It's not, and I think about, like, big bands who have, like, made it. Like, dude, think about, like, the Stones or something. <laughs> it's like, how are those guys still alive? Just life on tour. Yeah. Watch the Molly Crew documentary. Yeah. So good. It's so good. On Netflix. That's a good book, too. <clears throat> Dirt. 
Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like thinking about that, like putting putting it into perspective, like we're definitely like greenhorns, you know, like ten days. That's like nothing. Yeah, compared to their like six month tour. Yeah. Um, Did you ever miss the bus? No, I was good at making the bus. Did anyone miss the bus? Did you yeah. ever, do you see him again? Do they catch up? They got it like, dude, John Jay always missed the bus. <laughs> <laughs> and he the was like, dude, he was like chill about it too. He's like, oh, I'll just like, I'll fly. Take a train or I'll, fly, I'll just whatever. Guys, yeah. You see him two stops later. Yeah. yeah. That'd be sick always missing the bus, but then you're at the bar on time. <laughs> I remember like Hans and Aspen, they were missing the bus a lot too. I could imagine that. Yeah. It's easy to get lost. Uh, one thing I'd, I'd like to I'd like to pivot. Let's pivot. Pivot. <laughs> um, I noticed that anytime we reference a movie quote or TV quote, you're on it. You're, Me? Yeah, you're a big consumer <laughs> of movies. <laughs> movie, quotes. Quotes. <laughs> movie quotes. It's true. Yeah, I grew up with like I, I love that. <clears throat> I grew up with TV and movies, and just like my, I kind of have the right brain for like memorizing just random stupid things like my brain is just full of random movie quotes and random tv quotes and i think i like rewatch stuff because it makes me like comfortable and i'll just like so you watch it over and over so i'll just watch it over and over like there's some tv shows like the office or like parks and rec like i'll just run through those but not lately because netflix took that shit off which sucks my wife does that too there's like a comfort in it for certain people totally to rewatch it again my new show has been like bojack horseman like i love that show jared winkler had a good question for patreon along these lines do you have any celebrity impersonations i do that, not that we could hear you don't <laughs> i, I figured don't. he asked because he must have don't. some i have nothing <laughs> i don't know where that question came from i'm he's not, just trying to embarrass you maybe maybe didn't well, work. Give him a pass. <laughs> give him a pass this year, then. Well, dude, we should almost smack some hot takes. Then, Let's do some hot takes because we got a hot take along that. So, uh, you know, one thing we like to start when we're getting into hot takes is uh, who is the MJ or goat, both male and female, in snowboarding? I like MFR. Oh yeah, she's a boss. I think she's a badass, and she's just like a good all-around snowboarder. Like, can do anything. Kind of like Swiss Army knife. And um, for male, you guys are going to hate this answer, but it's for me, it's Sean White. It's a good wow. answer. I've actually changed my take on that. I think it's a great answer. Yeah. I think it's a great answer. I'm just surprised. Yeah, he's like, like when I was a kid, like he was like the first one that I was like, oh, like there's a kid doing this. Like I, I know like Luke and those dudes and Mikkel, but like Sean like stood out to me. He was like kind of the first one that I saw. And I started thinking about it and I was like, Yo, he's kind of like the gateway drug to snowboarding. He was like the first like really big like household name. And like like everyone knew Sean White. And I think if you're into snowboarding or you got into it like through him, like later you would like find your own path and be like, oh, this is snowboarding for me now. But I think for a lot of people it started with Sean. Mm-hmm. I think that might be our most well thought out answer I we've li- got to this question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like I like that we've roasted him on the show, and mm-hmm. I think I've I've kind of sh- I've changed my take a bit. But um, I think that uh, going back, like a statistically too, I, I don't. I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I, I know with, as far as X Games and things like like Olympic Olympic medals, like yeah, he's like he 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 has the stats. That's right. and and then as far as what he's done for a sport, like 
you know, whoever is the face of the sport in the same way that Tiger, you know, changed golf in some senses and, and maybe for different reasons. But like when you have that big juggernaut superhero that we love as pop culture for our sport, like that's what Sean was. And that brings a lot of people in. If you're a snowboarder, you're any cousin or aunt is going to ask you, oh, do you know Sean White? That's and the only person they're not going to know, know J.B. Walker. <laughs> no. Like my mom won't, but she's going to know Sean White. Yes. Right. So, yeah, he was a good like introduction to snowboarding for a lot of people. Yeah. Absolutely. Good, good hero. Uh, okay, what do you think about the old beaver slap uh, in the lift line? You hit one of those? What's your take on that? If I got snow on my board, I don't think it's like this like trendy thing, but like it is useful to like get snow off your top sheet. But here's the thing, though. You got to realize in the line, there's always that guy that's kind of flexing it, like that loud one. That <laughs> yeah, there's just that extra. Kinda, you got your yeah. chest out, and you're kind of <laughs> letting it bark, and you're just like yeah. looking around like, Extra loud smack he's so got everybody the big, looks. He's got the big headphones and oh, yeah. no shirt with the backpack. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's always that <laughs> That's guy. That's actually a fucking look. Though. That's I'm a good look. Yeah. Look. And at the same time, I'm just like, yo, like when I see that, I'm like, yo, get it. Like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you know, like flex in the lift line. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll check you out on the rails. Like, <laughs> let's see what you got, dude, you know? What about uh, what about claiming? What's your take on claiming? Uh, claiming is just like kind of funny to me. Like, in contests, like, I get it, whatever. You got to show everyone, like, you did your best. And, like, that was my best run, whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> throw your hand in the sky. Um, I'm all about, like, uh, claiming before you land. Oh, okay. Ooh. Yeah, the, so mid-air, mid-air like, if you can have your hands, like, fully stretched, and then, like, you know you're going to stomp, and then you stomp, and, like, that, like kind of the hands don't move, maybe, like, an Olympic kind of thing, like... Yeah. Uh, Okay, what's another another question I got for you? Is this pertains maybe to your answer earlier? What do you think about grabbing boot? Uh, grabbing boot is not chill. Oh, it's not chill. Yeah. Okay. There's not a name for that grab. That almost contradicts what you said earlier, though. What does Sean White think? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Maybe it does. Like I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking like earlier Sean White. Like, yeah, he was he was between the bindings in his early days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the boot thing. Like I don't know. Don't grab your boot. Don't do it. Well, when we were interviewing Todd, he was talking about street riders and they get on rails and just pose like a statue. What's the difference when you're in the air grabbing? You poke. But he's still you're doing, spinning, a, you're doing spinning a statue. You're spinning and poking. <laughs> you're only doing a statue if you're doing a stink bug indie off the jump. So you're double poking maybe? I, I feel like if you're spi- you're moving your body through the air when you're jumping. All right. Yeah, I guess. Okay, that, that's the difference. I guess. What, do you, what do you think about the aggressive land on the rail? And then just, like, restless neck syndrome, like, I got a tranquilizer dart to the <laughs> neck, aggressive after bang where your, like, head almost hits the <laughs> snow. And then you kind of get up and just puff your chest out, like, you know, kinda when like you look Gunner? back at the rail. You got to be careful. No, nah, he doesn't count. He's in a different league. Yeah, he is in a league of his own. <clears throat> you got to be careful with that shit because you can ruin a clip. Mm. Ooh. Like, if you just, like, go too in on, like, some after bang. But the trick was dope, and you knew you were going to stop, but you just, like, got, like, a little cocky, and you're just like, uh, you know, whatever. Um, I think that can ruin a clip. So you're looking for a tasteful bang. Tasteful. Did you do I any on that long rail? No. There I think wasn't that was claiming, <laughs> but there was emotion. Like, there was an thank emotion. Thank goodness. Was there? Yeah. yeah, you put, yeah, yeah there's, like, there's always going to be emotion, maybe some relief. Um, you can tell the difference, though, when yeah. someone's like, Yo, I'm so glad I just did that. And then somebody's like, "Yo, I'm the shit." Like, fuck everybody. Uh, you know, you know who's got a bad uh, case of the claims of claiming and aggressive after bangs. Uh, 
would be skiers a lot. Mm. I see a lot of skiers do the like land, like head almost hits the snow, and then just kind of like. Yeah, it's really like <laughs> pop up kind of dance. You're like, on. dude, you need to just. How come nobody's made fun of you yet yeah. for that? Like, that's the way you need good friends because good friends are like, or like older siblings are there to be like, shut you down, just <laughs> cut you down and be like, dude, I'm like, damn, that guy had nobody to make fun of him. Right. Jesus, you need some better friends. I think we need to see more of that. Yeah, I think a proper afterbang is like, you land like you didn't even land. Like you, you just kind of there's like not much motion. Arthur Longo. Yeah, Longo, for sure. Like you watch him land something, and you're just like, yo, like you were so relaxed, and like, did you even were you even in the air? <laughs> like, it's like you, he'll he'll land like nothing happened. Like I think that's sick, and you can do that, and like sometimes I do that, and then I'm like kind of pop up, like look around, like yo, what the fuck just happened. You know, that can ruin a clip, too. You got to be careful out there. If you look too surprised, yeah, basically, exactly. like, what yeah, the fuck yeah. just happened? Did yeah, I just land? For sure. You got to be careful out there. You know who ruins unquote. a lot of clips? This is another one that's a Scott Stevens specific. He'll land, and he'll start talking to the cameraman <laughs> yeah. as soon as his board hits the snow. Yeah. He'll be like, I think that was the one. I don't know, maybe. And you're like, dude, you just, your board, just, just give it <laughs> know, five seconds. He's done, he's, at this point, yeah. he's landed seven of the tricks, so he's like, ah, that wouldn't be it. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Give me it. There's my favorite, the Jake OE, where he has a beer cracked before he basically has even stopped riding right. or unstrapped. He, like, has them hidden in snowbanks. Yeah, so we know these people, and, like, to me, like, Scott's, like, gibberish makes a clip for me. Yeah, like, true. I want to hear Scott. You want to hear him talking to talking everybody? Talking a million miles an hour, <laughs> and just, like, because that's how fast his mind is going. And you get a little glimpse into the mind of Scott Stevens, which is a strange place. <laughs> uh, we we I, like it. I talked to Scott yesterday. Uh, I actually wrote down... Um, another big Seinfeld. Uh, he, he's another know. big Seinfeld guy. And mm. he was saying some things. I was just kind of picking his brain. And he's just like, he's like, dude, uh, he is one of the most underrated, I don't know exactly, dudes to ever do it. Like, you forget that Cocard will go do a front 1080 double cork on a giant cheese wedge and then also lip slide the longest lip slide ever done or whatever. But he was really like, he was kind of attributing to like, I don't know if everybody realizes how fucking good this dude is and everything he's done. And it was, I mean, I, I noticed that, but maybe just a good notable point. I thought, well, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, definitely just, I don't know. I'm trying to like be as, good as i can be that's like all i really care about i don't want to be like taking up space and i've heard people say that before and i think it's pretty true there's a lot of people that want to be where you're at and if you're just like half-assing it like i don't know i think maybe you should step down like you got to go out and just like push yourself and try shit that you normally don't try i've been trying to break out of bad habits for sure just like Go to tricks that I know have like a high success rate. Like it's important to go out there and and make something of yourself, like more than what you thought. So yeah, that's just like push yourself a bit. Yeah, just try to keep that mentality. I also think for uh, you know young young people watching this that are very specialized, I think it's important to be all around rider. That's always <coughs> huge, and and you've always had that. Um, kind of skill set and what, what's what been the motivation to be ATV? Just like that's what 
we grew up on, like, watching, like, nobody was one one thing. Like, everyone was in the streets, everybody was in the backcountry, everybody was doing contests, everybody, like, had pipe clips. Like, it was important back then to to be an ATV and, like, be able to ride it all. And I think it still is. And people kind of forget about that. There's, like, a lot of different niches in snowboarding, but to be, like, fully respected i think you need to get your feet wet in just about everything preparing for this interview i was reading one of your interviews earlier and there was somebody at a young age that kind of showed you to ride the whole mountain inspire you a bit yeah that, that's that my out too? that was what my coach jason sagendorf um big shouts to him he's one of the dudes that just showed me that like everything was possible and like if you put your mind to it and like truly love what you're doing like you're gonna succeed and he just kind of, like, made it a reality for me that, like, oh, I can do this. And, uh, yeah, mad respect to Jason and, like, all my coaches, like, Auburn Ski Club and Al- Alpine Meadows. Like, that's where I learned how to snowboard. And he made it a point to take us out of the park and, like, make us ride the mountain, like, even on a shitty shitty day. Where it's, like, not pow. It's, like, chopped and maybe, like, maybe there's, like, a couple leftover turns, but... Mostly you're just, like, fighting your way down the mountain. And you're just, like, sharpening your skills, you know. Like, at the time, I always thought it was, like, man, I'd rather be doing something else. But I definitely thank him for that. Yeah, he could have been in a groomed park, huh? Yeah, it could have just been, like, hiking a rail or something. But because, like, he was out there putting us on, like, super steep slopes in not-so-great conditions, you just, like, you get those, like, survival instincts. I have a question I'm personally interested in here, and it's kind of along the lines of your jumping and your approach and riding and stuff like that, because a lot of people put myself in this category. I need to snowboard a lot in order to feel good on my snowboard. Like, I guess my confidence comes from snowboarding a shitload and knowing that I fucking can do like uh, in order to do a trick on a backcountry jump usually i'm doing it on a park jump first or something like uh, that's just i like to reinstill my confidence through repetition now i noticed that you're one of those people that's like oh i haven't i've been chilling pretty hard i'm gonna go do this trick i haven't done it all year like how how do you get how do you get the confidence to try those tricks like that's kind of what i'm asking yeah, I don't know. It's kind of just like <clears throat> in the moment, I guess, and not thinking about it too much and just trusting that you have the skill and you have like some sort of repetition, like even if it's pretty buried, like it's still there and like just using that muscle memory, I guess. Yeah, you did get good at a young age when I think about it. you've been doing switchback nines for fucking 15 years totally dude and that's so you forget like oh yeah cocard is he has good fundamentals the switchback nine thing is definitely something that i think i'll be able to dust off for like as long as i can stand <laughs> like that that one's so deep 92 years old oh uh you want to get the door we have a surprise we have a surprise guest here what <laughs> we got another surprise so uh i heard that you're really into spicy foods Oh, no. And so Austin Granger is here. Austin, Traeger, Traeger Grills uh, chef. Grange. Oh, no. Come, come on over, Grange. 
<laughs> and Granger prepared some extremely spicy food yeah. for you. Here, Granger, come sit back here with us. Come back behind the ch- come I, back behind the table here. I think I know who told you that. Yeah. Squouch. Yeah, you do a little squouch. Do a little squouching. We what do we got, got here, Grange? You got to talk into the microphone here. Here, talk into this one. Far away, right there. That's good. Yeah. Or you might have to crouch down because I don't know. About <laughs> Crouching tiger, hidden Granger. Crouch down. Uh, hey guys. What up? What oh, um, yo. So Brandon. I don't know if I'm ready for this, dude. It's about well, you know, it's 15 minutes before lunch noon time. Yeah, you're right. Um, and you might be like shitting fire later, but <laughs> I don't know. It's going to be, be better than a cricket. But, but this is like, you know, it's not like it's just like eating one of those hot peppers. Right there. It's pretty good shit. Hey, he already ate one of these. He already ate a cricket. Too. You had a cricket? Yeah, I had a cricket. It was pretty good. Um, so let me, <laughs> let me see. You. I don't know what's on the menu here. Yeah, well, hit got? me with oh, it. This is like a little opening course. Um, so this is a uh, deconstructed Caesar salad. Okay. Which is just, well, it's actually a fucking Caesar salad wrapped in lettuce with <laughs> more lettuce inside. But it's got a... Uh, Got scorpion chili oil that I made from my garden last year. Okay, that's uh, whipped in with uh, Caesar dressing, and then it's got a bunch of uh, dehydrated ghost pepper chili flakes on top. Wow! Um, and the croutons are also tossed in another chili oil. Um, and this is just kind of some accoutrement for <laughs> next to it. This is a uh, this is a some accoutrement. Uh, if you will, this guy. How the fuck you say it? Dude, he's uh, got the cooking, yeah. cooking shit on it, it, This is like a, I can't remember the name of this pepper from last year I grew. It's like a zombie apocalypse pepper or some fucking crazy thing. But uh, so don't, t- don't touch your eyes. After did you don't touch your eyes or your dick after. Did you have the scorpion like your... stab the, the pepper or what? So, yeah, yeah. It basically, it like gets hot, inseminated right? with the scorpion venom. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> this doesn't have hot shit on it. It's got peppers yeah, it's, it's on it. It's a little less on the side. This is just the, I, I mean, it's very edible. Okay, I mean, feel free to eat one of those peppers, but... Uh, What's the hot shit? So you just pick it up like a little lettuce wrap. Uh, the hot shit on there is mixed in with the Caesar dressing. So it's your classic Caesar. It's got some we good got beverages anchovies. For this guy? Uh, no, I did not bring any beverages. We, but do yeah. you, do, do I need milk? Milk or milk? Th- <laughs> yeah. milk. Do you need Mel Gibson? Or? Did I say it wrong? Do you still have any Mountain Dew? Okay, uh, we got nice. water. We got liquid death. We got liquid death. Okay. Um, this then, actually looks more like, li- like liquid pretty, death. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. Um, so then, is the uh, wrap hot on its own? The what? The lettuce wrap is that hot on it's its own? It's pretty hot, yeah. Because yeah. the dressing, the croutons. Um, I'm just gonna the, see like, what over. I'm working I mean, with like, first. It's, it's very flavorful, but it's yeah. gonna make you sweat a bit. Okay. Um, and then the other stuff here. This is like a another like pepper salt I made. Well, let me go get. Let me go get the other two things. Yeah, perfect. Oh, there's, there's more. Yeah, there's. Uh, there's uh, <laughs> I mean, there's so a couple. Of Turning into uh, uh, that show, Hot Wings. Yeah, basically. it is. Granger's man. He's uh, he's gonna be cooking at my wedding this summer. That's Beautiful. awesome. Yeah, he's doing the reception. That's a nice call. Get him in there. He is every time he's ever hosted an event. It's delicious. That's a that's a pro tip. Getting Grange involved. Um, I, I think you can go ahead and let it rip. Okay. So yeah, re- thank Brandon Rigo for fucking you over by telling you telling us saying that hot. he liked the hot stuff. He appears to be doing okay for the listeners. He's uh, chewing. Okay, I'm One. starting to feel it. Okay. In the tongue. Okay, it seems like it might Remember be not to sore. rub your eyes. Yeah, don't rub or your touch eyes. touch your balls. You're not going to want to rub your brown eye. I heard you get beat red, according to Rigo. When oh, he turns, turns red? I just start to sweat. You'll see it under my eyes, which is like, don't touch your eyes, but like my eyes like start to sweat. So it's kind of tough. That's actually like, that's really nice. Yeah, it's pretty that mellow. That is a good spice. 
Okay. So we and start flavor you- is like on point. Oh wow. Oh shit! We, think we got a whole. <laughs> we, we got snacking. A, what do we got? Some steak. So we got uh, this is a garlic bread that has another very spicy butter on it. That one is scorpion chili and ghost pepper and habanero. Okay. Then we have our uh, duck fat that is infused with <laughs> ghost peppers, chili peppers. Look at this feast we got on the table yeah. here. This is but, like uh, Thanksgiving Day dinner for. Uh, I might grab a wrap. Yeah, hit a wrap. Just try. Mm. Uh, I think while while we're doing this, might as well answer some questions while you're eating the hot chip. Try the garlic bread. So, let's see if you can answer. Uh, we have a guest question from Mike Rav. Uh, you know, along the lines of some stuff we were talking about earlier. That's pretty spicy. Let's see if you can answer that while you're going through the spice vortex. Here we go. Hello, uh, Brandon, Chris, and Eastone. Um, I have a question for Brandon. I'm just wondering if he's ever been in a scenario where he said out loud verbally that he hoped that someday he could find a a drummer to jam with. And then in that same moment, um, somebody knocked on the garage door saying that they would be down to play drums. Um, Just wondering if he's ever been in that scenario. And if so, what was uh, how did it turn out over time? And what was that person like? Um, Okay, thank you, guys. See ya. Drummer Dave. That really happened? That happened. Rav and I were in the garage. I think we were working on EP or Future Mystic, but I think it was EP. The duck? The bread. Holy hell. The bread's and, good. Um, and I was just, it was Rav playing bass, and I was playing guitar, and I was like, yo, man, I wish we had a drummer. And we had a drum set in the garage, but we just didn't have anybody play it. And literally, as I said that, Somebody knocked on the garage door, and I'm like, "Like, who the hell is coming over? I didn't invite anybody over. And I, I like, crack open the door and poke my head out, and the first thing I thought was like, oh, whoa, this is like the first homeless dude that I've seen in Tahoe Donner, which is like our, uh, like, like the housing area, like where I was living. And it's kind of like hoity-toity, like vacation home style. And, uh, and he poked his head in and he just like said like some gibberish kind of like, Oh, you already got one in here. And he's like kind of talking really fast. And, um, and, and I was like, Oh, you mean the drum set? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I used to play like, you know, I was was a really good drummer and I, I heard, I heard the guitar and bass like when I was walking by your house and this guy comes in. And all I could really be like was like, yo, dude, like, come on in, you know, like, let's see what you got kind of thing. And he sat down and he started playing. And you can tell, like, he was rusty, like he hadn't played in a couple of years, maybe like five or six years. But he was good. He had like some chops and he had good rhythm. And he just started playing some like really complicated beats like right off the bat. And so we started jamming with him and... um yeah, it just kind of became a thing. This dude, Dave, who's like probably mid-40s, pushing 50, still lived with his mom. Maybe like some sort of on the spectrum in some way. I don't really know. I didn't really get into it with him. But he became a, fr- a friend like because he, he would uh, walk home from work every day. And my house was like on his route. And so if he heard me in the garage like playing or like heard the amps or whatever, he'd just come knocking and come sit down and play. 
And I tried to get him to like come to one of our shows and like come sit down for a song and like play a song. He never showed up, but super random thing that just happened. And like at first I was a little weirded out by this dude, but eventually I was able to see like, oh, this guy's just like a little bit different. And uh, <laughs> and yeah, it was sick. Living there, he, he'd come by probably once a week. He just, just heard you guys. <laughs> and just play drums. And then he started coming by just to hang out. <laughs> and, like, you know, I was maybe a little bit uncomfortable at first. Because I, I don't know this guy. But as I got to know him, I was like, okay, you're cool. And I would, like, give him weed and stuff. He'd, like, ask me for weed and whatever. And, and uh, yeah, he's just a rad, cool dude. That's cool you gave him a chance. Yeah. He was probably pretty stoked to hang out with you guys. I think it's important to give people a chance. Yeah, not take them on face value. And- right. And just be open, open-minded open with new people. That duck is hitting in a good way. Yeah, dude, Granger is insane. Like, I think the Granger deserves shot. the super air horn. Yeah. Let's give it to him. Fitting. Yeah. That duck's like cooked to perfection with the perfect spice level. But anyways, back to Rav's question. I was just like, it was just so funny that at that moment... And we're like, yo, I wish we had a drummer. You actually said that to each other? Said it out loud. And then, and then like knock, knock, knock at the door. Drummer? Yeah, exactly. That's some divine shit yeah. right there. It was cool. Synchronicity right there in life. You ask and you shall receive. That's right. You know, it's a cool uh, take. You know, one of, I don't know if, I, don't, I read a, quite a bit. And, and uh, my favorite author is Robert Greene. And it's uh, tough stuff to digest at times, but it's good. But his kind of main takeaway would be that all humans are inherently interesting. And if you can go through the world and realize that all humans are inherently like interesting, you know, you're, it's like a superpower. And so, you know, in, in the sense that like a lot of times we, we're interested in people that we, we know uh, that we're, or people that we admire or things like that, or, but maybe somebody else that's, that's on a, a street level, you're, oh, like that guy's homeless or whatever. That guy's weird. Maybe he's on the spectrum, but you'll see that with Buds. If you, you see St- Buds goes to 7-Eleven, there's a guy outside that, that's rough around the edges looking. Him and Buds and him are best friends. And, <laughs> and, and it's, a, it's a super admirable trait, but if you, can, if you can be interested or try to find that thing about someone that's interesting and you're engaged and you talk to somebody and you care – because we send, tend to pick and choose who we do that with. It's like a fucking superpower yeah. in life. It's just like, like try not to be like be afraid. They give people a chance to see what's really going on with them. Right. Hear their story, and it makes their day as well. You know, It makes them feel a little more valued, maybe. For sure. Someone who's having a harder time. It's easy to just like get caught up in the fear. Yeah. And you're like, I don't know this person. Like, I don't want to talk to you. And you see that a lot with people. It's more and more common. Yeah. Especially when you're... So you make eye contact with someone in the store or something, they just look down. Right. Yeah. Yep. Don't hold the door for them or something. and Live next to somebody for 30 years and never say hi to them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, you're my, that's some Seinfeld shit right there. Yeah, straight up. Oh, you live right next door to me. <laughs> when he meets, you see, he won't let the guy <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah, he won't let the guy <laughs> in. Yeah, he won't let the guy in. Yeah. He's not going to forget his key. Yeah. Oh, you're in the same floor, oh, floor you, as you, me. Oh, yo, you live right across the hall. You live in that one. <laughs> So one hot take we kind of jumped right over uh, that we forgot to do was we uh, if you had a Hollywood actor play your role in life, who 
who would it be uh, slash celebrity look like? Uh, so it's kind of a two-parter, but what, who you got for us? I think maybe like Christian Bale. Um, which which role, Christian Bale? Probably Batman. Batman. The Christian thing about Bale. Bale is he's a method actor. Yeah, because he also is. Uh, in, Remember in that fighting movie? Yeah, he did a movie where he lost like ridiculous amount of weight. Yeah, he's a bo- right. the becomes, boxing. It was like he's an addict. Yep. a boxer that becomes yeah. an addict. He's with uh, Mark Wahlberg. Great movie. Yeah, he lost the like fighter like, or something like that. Yeah, the fighter. He lost like seventy pounds, so he would just method act. That's what I think. Like he's a true pro. Like he yeah, could get into you. the essence of like me. You'd see him, he'd walk on the set, and he would just look just like you. Right. he's such a good actor. Yeah, that's right. He'd probably, like, put on a little bit of weight and not work out for a couple of years. <laughs> a couple of years. <laughs> see, I'm not, I don't like Batman Christian Bale. I, I like uh, American Psycho Christian Bale. Dude, yeah. That's, yeah. <clears throat> Straight up. Except he's, like, a little too into huey lewis in the news in that movie is he a, i forget he's like about crazy that. about him he's also really into like killing people in that movie yes <laughs> you have more of a problem with a huey lewis in the news <laughs> than the murder right. i have to return some videotapes <laughs> great stuff uh what about celebrity look like um people say i look like ben kaplan yeah <clears throat> like when i have like the full beard and i'm super shaggy with the glasses. And he's a musician. And he's a musician, too. What what band is he in? <clears throat> um, he just does solo stuff, I think. And you think I, he looks like <laughs> TJ <TJ> Miller? <laughs> I've been racking my brain uh, trying to figure it out, and it's TJ Miller, the guy from Silicon Valley, uh, is who we got for you. I'm digging, like, kind of the racing stripe you yeah. should, down the center. Have you done that before? No. That'd be I a think good you look. should do that. I could get a little more creative with my facial hair. I that think. guy's funny. If you wanted to be TJ uh, Miller for Halloween, it'd be super easy. True. You just don't have to do much. Just yeah. shave your face like that. Just be the the f- like stoner farmer from I Love You Man. I was Googling stoner actors to try to find <laughs> That's them. who you were Googling? <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not really a stoner. Who was coming though. up? Who were you finding? Well, no, I wasn't. I wasn't. I was looking for him specifically. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah, yeah. you're a stoner. I know, I know. When but you people Google think stoner I'm like actors, stoner. who's like the... it was like Cheech and Chong, yeah. like Samson from uh, how whatever uh, Samson from what's the Chappelle movie where everybody half baked? Oh, yeah. um, half baked. There was a bunch of great stoner characters. The dude. Um, oh, the dude. <laughs> Method Man and Red Man probably come up. Mm-hmm. Yep, for sure. They were in How High. A great movie. Okay, uh, there's another thing we got to talk about while we're on, uh, sh- while we're show- doing a little show and tell of uh, things here. Show and tell of things. We're going to do a little show and tell <laughs> of things. I got like cricket legs stuck in my teeth. Cricket, steak, pepper flakes, scorpion. This venom. thing's been a whole, like, ex- whole fucking. It's been an adventure. Event. Yeah, absolute adventure. I'm digging it. One of my favorite clips from your entire <clears throat> career, and I don't know if it goes <clears throat> overlooked, but I always thought that this. Front board double slide that you do in the end of DOA 1 or 2? DOA 2. DOA 2 is one of the most <clears throat> dangerous tricks uh, because a lot of people don't realize, like, A, it's like you're committing to the middle of the stairs on that. Like, the amount of things that can go wrong on that trick is fucking crazy. And uh, I don't know. I just put myself in the shoes of trying that, and it would be absolutely terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying. <clears throat> but the trick that I had in mind first was going to be like this, like 
battle. Like I just knew it. I wanted to just like board slide 270. And, oh yeah, that didn't happen. Nothing puts you into the ground. I was hitting the ground so fast. I was like, this isn't going to happen. I can like beat the hell out of myself. Double slide or? Double slide. Yep. I can try this for like hours and just beat the crap out of myself. And like, I'm not going to get this. And so, and Dangler wanted me to front board. And I was just like trying to work up to it. And finally realized that I'd rather do the sketchy trick than take like a beating and just battle and not get anything that day. But yeah, that was terrifying, dude. I definitely clipped like the, I think maybe the second time I tried it, clipped your my tail. Edge? Yeah, your tail. And ended up in the stairs, luckily on my board and made it all the way down. It was all good. Mm. But yeah, that was a, that was a terrifying one. You almost have to think of it like a back lip. Yeah. Yeah. It's so like opposite of like what you normally want to do. Like you want to commit to a side of the rail as opposed to just trust fall basically like jump to the middle and just trust that your nose and tail are going to be like the right distance away mm-hmm. um but yeah that was a cool spot that was the last spot of that trip and i didn't get much on that trip but i left with that and i was like okay at least i got that mm-hmm. it's like a front board and the back lip at the same time yeah and you know going up just the way you naturally on a back lip or front board you can kind of start turning your board earlier on a double slide you have to really get up and over with the whole thing, both rails, and then turn. And if you clip on the way up, you're just basically in this devastatingly <laughs> sketchy zone. Yeah, you're just, it's up for grabs mm-hmm. from there. And that thing has metal stairs too, huh? Uh, I think so, yeah. No. Okay. Disaster area. Well, one topic I think we should cover is I know that um, I know that you've had some life struggles as of late. And... Uh, yeah, we should just we should get into that. Yeah, like I don't know, it just seems lately like life is kind of catching up, or is like his death catching up? Like I, I don't know, like it just seems like I'm in this period of my life where like I had a pretty good run, I want to say, like a solid like ten years of just no deaths in the family, like friends are good, everything's going good. And then, like, this past year has just been, like, one after another. It's, like, boom, boom, boom. And it definitely kind of put me in a funk where I was just, like, what the fuck is going on? Kind of. And <clears throat> I started thinking about it more. And I think, like, with the pandemic and just, like, the stress of the election and just all that crazy bullshit that went on, like... I. I feel like there's like some residual effects from that or people are like really feeling it, feeling that, but not really like knowing they're feeling it or not able to talk about it. And there's just like a lot of things that are like pent up and seems like emotions like being repressed and just pushed down. Cause like, that's what we were taught when we were kids, you know, you're a man, you're supposed to be tough. Like, don't cry, like hugs, not or handshakes, not hugs, kind of. And that's the way I was brought up. And so I got really good at, like, putting up walls, just, like, thick walls <laughs> where I'm not really even letting, like, my girlfriend in or my fiancé, you know? And so I think that stuff, like, can really, like, come back to haunt you and just, like, bite you in the ass and... I'm trying to, like, be more open with feeling 
<clears throat> and just like just being more willing to feel I guess and not get caught up in like try not to cry like dude I've cried like so much in the last three months more than I have like my entire life and like yeah I don't know we're just like taught that that's like not okay or you're a pussy or whatever but it's been helping me to just like open up and just cry and so I've been like trying to do that more and just be being like more real with like myself and the people around me like the people that I care about and just not trying to be like this tough guy but yeah it's been <clears throat> it's been a long road and it's it's gonna be a journey for sure like healing is like it's tough and it takes a long time um like one of my best friends just committed suicide and like that shit's like so hard it's still hard to talk about um, like, when you lose somebody like that, there's, like, a lot of questions, like, what could I have done differently, and maybe I wasn't, like, the best friend, and, you know, I think that's a really natural emotion, and, like, a natural thought process to go through, and, um, yeah, it's just tough to do that shit on your own, it's really tough, and, like, I'm learning, like, you gotta reach out, and you gotta, you gotta just, like, talk about this shit. And it's super important to be open with, like, yeah, the people that you, like, really care about. So, yeah, I've been, like, <clears throat> just working on that. And um, I think it's crazy with all the suicides that are going on right now. And it makes me feel like there's, like, this, like, like mental health crisis. Like, I don't know. It just, like... Maybe it's getting old, and, like, that's the thing with getting old is, like, you, the longer you live, like, the more you, you see people go, but it seems like, at least with the suicides, like, it's happening at, like, a faster rate. Like, it's more rapid, mm -hmm. and I think there's something to that, and I think it's, like, this, maybe the stress of, like, society and the stress from, like, all the shit that's going on. And, yeah, it's just important for us to talk about it. Like, we should we should be super open with each other. And suicide is crazy, dude. Like, I think it's one millisecond of, like, loss and judgment. And, like, it's a decision that you can't take back, you know? And I'd like to think that a lot of people who, who have left us like that would take it back. Um, but everybody's going through sh their shit, and you don't know what it is because everybody's, like, pretty closed off, you know? And I think just, like, being more real about it and talking about it might help people who are feeling those feelings. Like, I've felt them. Like, I don't know about you guys. I've heard people come on the show and, like, talk about it. And, like, they felt it. Like, it's easy to feel that. And it's, like, too easy, almost, to make that decision. The, like, the one that you can't take back. And it's just, like, scary. I don't know. It's crazy times. And, like, we got to be here for each other, for sure. And, I, you know, people come on here and talk about that. And I'd like to talk about, you know, it feels good to talk about it, too. I think everybody kind of needs to be talking about it. Unfortunately, that person 
thinks in their mind that they're making a decision that's going to help out everyone around them. And they don't realize that it's the total opposite, man, that if they can get through that hard time, it's going to be way better. And they just think, oh, maybe my wife will be better without me. Right. We won't have these problems. And then they make that decision they can't take back. And Yeah. And, it's and it sucks for everybody around. Yeah, I was asking my doctor once, like, is it normal to have so many people die that you know? Because all of us, I mean, look at us in this past year even. We've all had people pass away. And my doctor was claiming we live a, we're different than a lot of people because we have such a, we travel so much. We meet so many people. Like our world's not just in our vicinity. You know, we have friends all over the place. So our uh, radius of friendship so much larger that we're going to know more people from different areas. Therefore, more people are going to pass around, pass away that we know and all that. That's a good point. That's yeah. so true. Because a lot of people only know their short, you know, who they work with in this one town. We know people all over the world. Also, going back to the stigma of uh, suicide, there's, you know, you look at the the highest demographic of people that are killing themselves as dudes that are our, our age, generally, is, is the highest. So <clears throat> you ask yourself, why is that? Well, we grew up in a stigma, like you said. Where it's not okay to talk about, right? It's something that that you that you bury that you don't, and, and when you bury it, it comes out in other ways, be it substance abuse, physical, whatever drug or thing you use to compensate. It seeps out in those ways when you don't cry, when you don't talk about it, right. and and from my experience, you know, I'm beating a dead horse. I like to come on. I I I show. I made a decision to to not drink and. In, on that pathway, it's it's annoying. I talk about it a lot, but it's important for me for people to hear. So in that path, uh, I chose to, I ended up, found my way, ended up doing AA. And what you do in AA is you go to this, there's 20 people sitting around in a circle and they're talking about how they, you know, you there's a subject essentially and everybody kind of chimes in on the subject. Like, oh, this is my experience that happened here. And you realize holy fuck, the guy next to me feels the exact same way I do. Holy fuck, the next guy next to me has the same problems I do. Holy fuck, I feel the exact same as that guy. Oh my, so so we're all sitting there in our own little bubbles internalizing it because we think people give a shit, which they don't, uh, about our problems. That it's some some big deal when it's like, dude, we need to we need to talk about it. We need to be there for our friends, and to ha- and if you you need to be there for your friends, and inversely, to have a friend, you got to be a friend. And so, I don't know, just all those things, like 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 you said, like if we we want these people to stop, you know, committing suicide, we need to become a community. And I think this social media and the, a lot of these things, they they think we're bringing them together, but we're we're in a room by ourselves, staring at a phone. It's not mm-hmm. actually a sense of community. We need to come together. We need to 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 call your friends and tell them you care about them and and talk if you're having a hard problem get on the phone start calling people talking to people you know and yeah and anyway but and also when you get those calls like take the time to like really you know give that person like your full attention and all your time no matter what you're doing like that's something that i've learned too it's like give people that time to talk because it's so easy to be like oh dude i gotta go you know yeah, if you know they're depressed, hear them out, right? Yeah, exactly. If you know, like, you can kind of, like, hear it or something. Like, you know, a buddy that's, like, struggling with alcohol and he calls you drunk and just wants to, like, talk your ear off about, like, music or, like, funny jokes or whatever. Like, you know, have that conversation. And ju- and also just, like, tell him you love him. Mm-hmm. You know? 
Yeah, sometimes they just need to hear that. For sure. That one time, you know, that one moment could get them through that one night. Yeah, or like you said, like, you know, talk about your problems too. And it's therapeutic for you as well. Just that having the, that conversation is beneficial for everybody. Mm-hmm. I think as humans, we all inherently struggle. I think everybody struggles. Yeah. And, it's just part and of the we, DNA. But we think that we are the only person that is going through what we're going through. And the chances are you look around the your circle and, and the person next to you probably is having the same fucking problem, just not talking about it. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. Everyone's real good at hiding it. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah exactly. And you can they only- want to show up and just tell you how great they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're not going to tell you how shitty they're doing. You can only hide it for so long before, like, something happens. Like, dude, anybody can snap. Mm-hmm. Like, that's something that I've learned over the past year is, like, like, your good homie can, like, seem totally fine and just, like, be super level-headed. And, like, it's easy to kind of just lose yourself. Mm-hmm. It's a little, like, too easy, you know? Like, I struggle with re- reality, especially in this day and age. It's, like, trying to decipher, like, what's real and what's not. Like, dude, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so much going on, and it's just easy to lose your way. Super easy. Mm-hmm. Also, going back to what you said earlier too about should and could and would should have done something different. Could those are those are essentially like toxic words. Mm-hmm. Totally. And so, like I should have, like, and and that also that that creates more struggling because you're saying you, you, there's a lack of acceptance. It's it's like I it happened, and I I it happened the way it did, and there's some some room. I learned some things, but like that that's just self torture. Is all that those words just yeah. in. in and encapsulate, you know, self self torture, and it's just fucking horrible. You know the way your brain naturally goes down those wormholes. You right. have to combat. I'm not saying it's 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 almost more unnatural to not have those feelings. Yeah, you know? and you can't be there 24 seven, and the person's going to make that decision no matter what you would have done. And yeah, yeah, uh, I mean, you can go through the what ifs a million times, and it's it happened and. Right. There it is, and you got to just cry it out like you're saying. That helps so much. Yeah, mm-hmm. it does. Dude, like, I found out that my dog had cancer. I don't, I don't know why I'm, like, laughing about that. It's not funny. <laughs> but, like, I was in the backcountry, and just, like, I got the call from Taylor, and I just, like, broke down, like, crying. And, like, I was with, like, my friends, and I was a little bit embarrassed, but, like, they were like, yo, dude, it's okay. And I was, like, crying so hard to the point where, like, I thought, I was like, you know what, this is probably more than just compounds, my dog. Right? Like, there's a lot coming out right now. And um, it felt good, dude. It felt so good. And, like, yeah, I was sad and still am. Um, that happened this year? Yeah, it happened in March. It sucks, man. It's so yeah. many animals get cancer. Humans, too. It's just... I know. They got to figure something out with cancer. Just yeah, just yesterday, I found out my aunt died. And, like, shouts to my aunt. She's, like, such a legend, like, Alaska legend. Like, her name's Aunt, aunt Becky. And she would, like, take us on, like, crazy adventures when we were kids, dude. Like, tromping through the last frontier and just, like, grizzly bear country and moose country. And we're just little kids and... I got my sense of adventure from her and I got my love for for the Beatles from her and like my my musical likes like that whole side and she's such a supporter of like my snowboarding my whole snowboard career she come to like premieres and stuff and she's just like 100% supporter and like she's like 
we're like the same cut, the same kind of person, you know, like kind of creative and just like left brain. And I always looked up to her and, um, yeah, it's just, dude, it's just, like I said, it's been one after another and just really trying to, to deal with it like properly with my emotions and, and not just be like, oh, that sucks. And then just like hold everything down. Like, dude, honestly, I still haven't cried from that, but you know, in, in my own time, I think. Yeah, it comes in its own time. Yeah. I almost wish we could reframe, reframe that like manliness thing because if you really think about it, right, you break down. You're like, "Fucking, I don't feel emotions. I'm a man. I, uh, I, I'm tough. I have this tough exterior, and and you just bury and shove and shove. And really, that's that's not manly. You're not really looking at. You're just being avoidant at that mm-hmm. point. Yeah. You're literally just being avoidant. Like, there's really it's it's kind of manly to just to feel it and and. And actually face it and take a look at it. Totally. And, and that's like, that's, you know, manly is a shitty term to use in general, but just changing that stigma would be, would be pretty sick. You know, I think so too. And that's a, that's a way better way to look at it for sure. It is. It's avoidance full on, which is the exact emotional avoidance, um, emotional procrastination and right. avoidance. Yeah. And just keep stuffing it down and, mm-hmm. and eventually it's going to compound like what happened to you. Right. Yeah. So, <clears throat> That's that's really all. I think it's like we're living in some weird times. And I don't know. I try to put it into perspective sometimes. Like, yo, what were people feeling during like World War Two and shit? <laughs> you know? Yeah, you want to like, talk about weird times. Yeah, huh? <laughs> I know. Or just like the, like the bubonic plague where like people were actually just like dropping like flies. True, huh? Um, but it's a little more complicated these days, you know? And just like it's so much easier to just get turned around. And you mentioned social media, like that's a huge catalyst for feeling down. It's so competitive, dude. It's so competitive these days to just like always be on. And um, I think it can drive you crazy. I really do. I think like people can feel so alone and just like not enough. And uh, I think social media has a lot, a lot to do with that. I want to circle back around to the topic of death again, because it's something, you know, I I think as we get older, as we get closer, you know, we, we're all, everybody is going to die. Nobody makes it out alive. That's Mm -hmm. life. Right. And and we, in our early twenties, we we kind of just avoid thinking about that. Or I know, you know, as you meet people that are older, you know, parents and grandparents, they, they, they've started to think about that a lot more in their life. Now I've been, I've, Buried a few, one of my really good friends recently in a similar situation and squirmed around with a lot of those emotions. And, um, you know, I, it always goes back to like, you know, you, you realize when you go to somebody's funeral, what matters in life, like the Instagram doesn't matter. The followers don't matter. Your posts don't matter. Your six, your, your life accomplishments and successes don't matter. You matter how you show up for your friends, how you show up as a person, how you treat people. That's those relationships are what you have. And and sure you can inspire people in other ways and things of that nature, but it's like life's short, dude. Fucking be cool. Don't be a dickhead. Don't be an asshole. And <laughs> it's fucking, that easy. And like that but life's short. It's like, dude, I don't got time for a lot of this. A lot of the bullshit I see on social media, like outrage culture about every direction. I'm not saying in any particular just blanket outrage culture on the internet it's like 
I just don't got time for that. Life's short. I'm going to be in the fucking dirt soon, dude. Yeah. I'm not trying to take all my energy and put it towards this minor, in my opinion, minor problem. Like, it's it doesn't serve me because I only got a fucking limited time out here. We got to get it in. And there's already, you know, people that are our friends that, that are, you know, they already punched their ticket, you know? When you go to a, a friend's funer- funeral, sorry, or like family's funeral, um, it definitely puts things into perspective where you're just like, fuck, man. Like, yeah, like you said, life's short. And like, if you're not like loving what you're doing or like in love with somebody or like, you, you know, you gotta, you gotta switch it up. You gotta figure out what you're doing. Because if you're just spinning your wheels and life's kind of passing you by and, you know, it's easy to go down the wrong path, like, here and there. But, um, yeah, I it just puts that into perspective. You're just like, dude, I I need to, like, live and, like, like for myself and for the people who can't anymore. And, yeah, I don't know. You said it best. But. I mean, the, be- the best way to honor your friend is to fucking live life to the fullest, period. Yeah. That's it. Like, you know, if you know, however your belief system's based, but if they're looking down on you, like the best way to honor your friend is to fucking get some for the people that can't. For sure. But it takes a minute. There, there's a process to get to that mindset. You don't just, you, you have to mourn and you have to suffer and it doesn't just click. If you're de- somebody that's dealing with death, you will get past that feeling of remorse eventually. I think, I don't know. Yeah. In my experience. Like you said, everyone's going to die. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast recently about uh, near-death experiences, and they were kind of going through all the different things that happen and how similar they are. And uh, this lady put a book together about it. I'll put it in the show notes. And she was saying that when someone passes away, it's almost like when you get home from a night at the club and you take your clothes off and you jump in the shower, you're not thinking about those clothes. That person has moved on. And they're into the next process. Well, the rest of us sit here and mourn, right? And so it's important to kind of remember that they're they're off on the next stage, right? And they're experiencing whatever we're all going to experience, whatever it might be. Nobody knows. Totally, nobody but it knows. Seems like it's something, and there's a, a next level to this. Yeah. So it's important to remember that <clears throat> the person you're mourning for, right? You're the group that's sitting here super bummed out, and they've moved on to something better, whether right. it's your dog or your aunt or your best friend, and. Just kind of keep that in the back of your head because there's got to be a next level. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're calling it like a celebration of life as opposed to like a funeral or yeah. whatever it is, you know. But like, you know, it is like a graduation. And like you said, nobody knows. Yeah, and, nobody knows. And no one's going to get to know until you're there. Um, But all we can do is just like celebrate the time that they had like with you. Yeah, I always find it so interesting Vice hearing the versa. stories about what people do get a glimpse of and mm-hmm. it's just so crazy how yeah it's, it's trippy so similar and for mm-hmm. sure that's wild so yeah I maybe it's sudden when it's your time it'll be some crazy adventure seems peaceful know? for a lot of people yeah super peaceful yeah unless you're going out in like a plane wreck like plane crash or something and <laughs> <laughs> there's i don't know sorry that's like <laughs> this is a random topic but i was thinking there's like probably some not too peaceful ways to go dude i don't know that's not the like be a contrarian on that but like when i'm in the plane like whatever's happening that son of a bitch i'm just along for the <laughs> yeah, ride yeah. i'm relaxed my, you have to be my shit doesn't my <laughs> temp like my tempo or whatever like nothing changes like this thing's shaking around like violently i'm like 
What's gonna happen is gonna happen, dude. I would yeah, like I'm, sleep through the crash. Yeah, I'm not even. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> the shaking like, of a plane just puts me to sleep. <laughs> Everyone's freaking out. I'll yeah. just. Bud's there you I can picture. Bud that. sleeps in a plane simulator that's bouncing around. Dude, I've always my wife jokes about that. If I had a little airplane simulator, I just have the best night's sleep, been jostled around. Yeah, neck just neck absolutely snapping. for sure. You're the you're the guy that's like. Head on the stranger's shoulder. Oh, I've seen that Dude. move. I've seen Dylan Thompson pull that move. <laughs> I've seen Dylan so all stinky doing that. Smelled like a homeless rotting person. Dude, I'll like take off before the plane even gets uh, off the ground. Do we get yeah. waking up when it's taken off? Yeah. Like, Whoa. Okay. It's like, are we there yet? No, we just took off. Okay. Uh, well, I think we've had a beautiful conversation. Do you want to thank anybody uh, before we wrap this thing up? Dude, I just I don't know. Like all my sponsors and stuff, but I, I want to thank you guys for doing this and giving people a platform to come on and talk. And it's such a cool, like, kind of symbiotic relationship you guys have built here. Like, you get something, we get something, and it's just it's fun to come on here too. So just thank you guys for having me and and doing this. I mean, the bomb hole is the shit. Thank you for coming. We really appreciate that. Um, I just want to say thank you for coming on. Uh, thank you, buds, for fucking saddling up to I don't know how many episodes we're at. It's been a fun journey. Something. And uh, thank you guys for listening and watching and sharing each and every week. Uh, we got a f- cool little community here, and it's super fun. We love doing it. We love that you guys listen. And uh, thank you. We will see you next week over and out from the bomb hole. Okay, we did it. Another good one in the books with Brandon Cocard. Appreciate you guys listening. We appreciate our sponsors. And we appreciate our Patreon members. Thank you guys so much for making this whole thing work. For listening each and every week. Building this community. Talking to us on Instagram. All that stuff. Thank you. Now this week, I'm not really going to plug anything like I normally do. I just have a special little gift from Brandon Cocard to you guys. The song that he did for Name That Video Part that he remixed, we're just going to leave you with that. So thank you so much for listening. Enjoy your day. We'll see you next week.